Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go! Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come aside, come aside. I am Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me is... Mike Sutherland. How you doing? I'm doing good. All right. This is our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Awesome Mixtape Edition. What's your point? You're supposed to say yay or something. Okay, yay. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that wonderful piece of uh, Disney entertainment, Disney-sponsored entertainment. Uh, also, our flicks of the week. Mine is going to be the 2016 film uh, Monster Calls. Dragon Blade, starring Jackie Chan, John Cusack. Okay, that's a combo. Yeah, it uh, was. I hope it's a combo that works and not no. a combo that was poorly written. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't heard of it, so apparently it is shitty. Um, I didn't even know that the movie existed until I saw it on HBO, and I'm like, it's got Jackie Chan and John Cusack. Now, in it. is it right. is it Jackie Chan came over here and made the movie, or I don't, or John I, Cusack went over there and, and they made the movie? Why would I tell you now? I don't know. Tell me something. No. <laughs> All right. It's for me to know, for you to fuck off. Got a couple of newsy <laughs> tidbits, and then uh, whatever the hell else that we want to talk about. So, my name is Joe, and I am a racist. <laughs> yes, you are. And then you. We already introduced ourselves. Why do I have to do it again? Because I, it's it's like a, it's like an AA thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All right, we already talked about this on another podcast. Anyway. Yeah, so fuck off. This is our, our way of saying you know go and listen to our uh, you know this show sucks. Yeah, go listen to this show sucks. All right, but right now we're doing Cinescape movie reviews and we're gonna stick with that. So, all right, take it away, Bradley. <laughs> Why Bradley? Bradley Cooper, Rocket. I don't know. Well, then do the accent. <laughs> Why should I? <laughs> Bradley. Welcome to the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Meanwhile. How you doing? 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 Only he didn't use the word freaking. Uh, you know, honestly, worst line fucking ever written. That was horrible. I, I you know what? I mean, get away with it because the movie's so good. In that, I shouldn't say ever written, but it's a fucking, it's a terrible line. It look, <clears throat> we're gonna, we're already doing the movie. Yeah, All right. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, this movie is so good and entertaining that. Any little problems it has, and it does. This movie has a few little problems, but nothing mattered because from start to finish, the movie got me. So, uh, you know what? In a way, this movie to me is like an entire series of Lost. Do you want to know why, Mike? No. I'll tell you why. Because... <laughs> because at the beginning, you're exhilarated and you're really into it, right? And then... You go get to the middle, and there's there's moments where you're you get a little bit bored, but then you come right back again, and you're back into it again, right? And then boom, boom, it's it's like this roller coaster of just yes and no and little, you know, but still awesome, right? Then you get to the end, and the end is not what you expected, 
because when it gets to the end, you expect this big um, extraordinaire, right? Of you know just everything, and instead it's it's this emotional thing, right? Sure. And it's more of a like. It just it is more emotional ending than it is a big old you know oh we saved the day kind of thing right so that's how Lost ends Lost doesn't end with this big extraordinary you know like I don't know the island explodes or some bullshit like that instead it becomes very extremely personal and and it, it's it to me it was a huge payoff but some people were really disappointed by Lost but fuck you <laughs> I didn't get disappointed by it I got emotionally connected to it because I loved all the characters so it worked for me. Um, I know that was an extreme uh, comparison, but that's what Guardians of the Galaxy is. You know, uh, what is it? The last 15 minutes of the movie without, we'll get into the details about it in a little bit, but that last 15 minutes is not like the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is a lot of, you know, fun and, and, and action and, and, you know, just good times. Right. Then, but then the last, the last 15 minutes, it's more of a, an emotional, um, you know, connection right there. So anyway, <sighs> Don't let me take your fucking thunder, Mike. Just keep going. All right. <laughs> so, uh, you and I have been fans of the Guardians of the Galaxy since the first trailer came out for the first movie. That's I, you know, what I mean, because I I know you, I have never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book, and you haven't either, right? Correct. And if you haven't read them, and you've been a comic book like enthusiast since since childhood, then I mean, that's got to say something. So, well. <sighs> Here's the thing. I, I've always been a Batman fan. Yeah. Always since I was a wee lad. And DC Comics were my thing Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I, I like Marvel Comics. I like The Punisher, Spider-Man, um, but mostly it was artists. And the artists for Batman were above and beyond the best artists, in my opinion, that were out there. Yeah, I mean, you had... You had some great artists with Marvel and whatnot, but for me, it was the whole idea of Batman anyways, the cape and and him at night and doing all this stuff. Wasn't a fan of Superman. Wasn't a, I, I like Dr. Fate. I like all these odd characters. <clears throat> um, for me, at that time, I was also an Image fanboy. You know, I like Spawn and Savage Dragon because I, I liked, again, the artists. Um those were the guys that I followed with the exception of like Frank Miller and a couple of other cats. So when it comes down to guardians of the galaxy and these, these Marvel team type books, I was never, a, I was never into it. Uh -huh. Um, I, I don't know why I think a lot of it has to do with the style of art at the time, yeah. because I like all sorts of art now. It's that's a whole that you know. Growing up, you you follow the artists that you like. Yeah, you know, like because I, 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 I really like Jim Lee and Wills Portacio, and those guys were above and beyond the best artists at the time. Because there are others now that are just as good, or or better. But who were their influences? Yeah, and their influences were these guys that also did Guardians of the Galaxy or Howard the Duck or whoever else. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that wasn't my only interest. So I just, usually when I get into a specific thing, yeah, doesn't matter whether it's movies, music, or whatever, I really get into it. So like Star Wars, mm. right? I'm not a Star Trek guy, but I'm a Star Wars guy. I like Star Trek. Yeah. You know? 
I'm just not into it. Like uh, you are. Yeah, it, it, it's emotional connection because it, it reminds me of my mom and my uncle. Right, but again, because so, I grew up watching that with them. That's and that's exactly what it is with Star Wars. It's an emotional connection. Yeah, Star Wars was Star Wars is there. It, it's definitely there. It is. It, it is. It, it it absolutely harkens back to my childhood. But it um it's not the same because Star Wars was an event that happened every few years. And you know when I when I back in the you know early 80s when i was a little kid you didn't see star wars on the tv all the time it, it just every once in a while it was a special thing that cbs would put on or something right no it only happened once that's what i mean it, it was a rare thing you didn't see it on tv very often so well there was always reruns of star trek the original series you still had the the stupid ewoks movies and droids and yeah but cartoons. you didn't have on demand or anything like that then so they just aired it like fucking once and then that was pretty much it yeah so I'm talking about. I, I know what you're getting at. And Star Star Trek was always there, right? You know. But again, I I even tried. I mean, there were times where I, I, I got used to watching the Next Generation, uh-huh. and again, it's it just doesn't do anything. There is no emotional connection to it. Damn, I, I liked it. It was okay, yeah. you know. But it's not for me. I've got it's the not whole me. series on DVD. Yeah, but it's not for me. God, I I don't even have time to go back to that shit anymore. Yeah. But so that and that's and that's the thing with comics. The same thing. You follow these artists mm-hmm. because you have an emotional connection to them. Yeah. My emotional connection was to Todd McFarlane cuz his connection to comic art was Chuck Jones. Yeah. You know, so Warner Brothers cartoons and whatever else. Yeah. Now he wasn't trying to do the wacky gag or whatever else like Tex Avery. But the way that he drew was very reminiscent of Chuck Jones. You know, yeah. you take from real life and then you kind of manipulate it, you know, to fit your needs. Yeah. So, yeah, some things are going to be a little bit more exaggerated, you know, the hands or the face or whatever else. But the art is there. So when I look at when 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 I saw McFarlane's art, there was something about it. And then I looked into it. That's when I started doing my research. And going from that to the Chuck Jones stuff, and that was, and my emotional connection with that also is with my father, you know, with the Chuck Jones stuff. Yeah. And that's why I'm such a huge fan of Warner Brothers stuff. So that all fits in with with, with McFarlane. And then the other artists that were with him that left for Image Comics, with few exceptions, also had the same path. This is what they grew up with, like me. So the the guys that created Howard the Duck or created the Guardians of the Galaxy, these 70s guys, yeah. I don't have a connection with because their influences are completely different. Their influences are more... Ziggy Stardusty? <laughs> no, no. Their influences are more Bob Kane... And uh, Spiegel and Schuster. Did you know they were, uh, that uh, David Bowie was going to be in this movie? They were going to try to get him, but then he he passed. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then um, there was there's a, there's a bunch of other artists out there, but that's this in space. These these guys that created Guardians of the Galaxy were probably influenced by you know Stanley Kubrick and. Those types of cats, probably the horror monsters from the 50s and 40s and stuff like that. Yeah. So 
I I didn't catch on to that stuff until I mean I saw and I, I love those movies, but their influence on me wasn't prevalent until now, within the last ten years, because I find that that that's comfort food to my brain anyway. Yeah, but and that's why I'm enjoying Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy because you can see the influence from James Gunn. Yeah, and you can see the influence from the artists on the series, even though it's more the modern take on Guardians of the Galaxy than the original series. Yeah. But with this movie, you could really, really see how much care and love James Gunn put into creating this this movie transfer from a comic. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like, remember during the end credits where it would show, like, little... little, uh uh, portholes of of of, char- of the characters, uh-huh. and uh, then they start moving for a second, and then stop. Right. That reminds me of that after school shit I would watch, you know, in the early '80s when I get home from school. You know, it just well after school, duh. But I, you know, you'd watch that, and it would do things like that during the end credits or whatever, where the character would move for a second. And yeah, this is stop. this stuff is there. There was this called Phase Four now. Uh, no, they haven't hit Phase Four yet. After Infinity War, it's supposed to be Phase Four. Okay, so we're getting to the end of Phase Three. Yeah. So this this whole thing is very and and follow my lead with this one, okay? okay? Follow along. Iron Man came out in the 60s, right? I think so. Yeah. So, think about it this way. Phase 1 is the 60s, right? Phase 2 or phase 1 is early 60s. Actually kind of 50s. Uh if you remember like in Iron Man 2 when it was doing the flashbacks of the the big old you know gala thing, uh-huh. it was a lot of uh, 40s and 50s influence, okay. like World War II, Captain America. But think about it: Phase One, Phase Two, Phase Three, right? Yeah, 50s, <laughs> 60s, and 70s. You just thought that up, huh? Didn't you? I I didn't think it up, but because we we just watched Thor Ragnarok again, yeah, the trailer because I'm a fucking dork and I love that. And it's fucking amazing. The, the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. You need bass and, speaker though. <laughs> And they're doing. I do have a bass speaker. I just don't have it up all the way. Mm, give me some more bass. And and the way in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Right. So the the way that they're doing things is very seventy special effects with the titles and everything else, yeah. or maybe late sixties, right? Yeah. So Phase Four could technically be the seventies or the eighties. Yeah. No, it goes by decade. Yeah. So we're fifties, forties, fifties, sixties. Phase Three. Right, seventies would be phase four. Eighties would be phase five. Yeah, they watch the way that they do the titles. So every two or three movies is a different decade, and that the way that they're rolling right now, we're we're getting into the mid to late seventies with this stuff, and then the next phase after Infinity Wars, yeah, will be early eighties. You know, hey, you know what? Title wise, uh, before we get farther away from it, because you brought up Batman, you know what my biggest problem with Batman adaptations there is bad writing. No, it's awful acting. No, bitches. It's, no matter if it's a TV show or the movies Small or, or whatever, they don't emphasize enough on the death of of Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah, they don't. They never. They they they, they barely mention. It. It's like a footnote. I know. It really pisses me off. <laughs> If you read the the PDF file that Bruce Tim put together, uh, well, it's not a PDF, but if you read the Bible, the Batman Bible for the animated series, yeah. the whole thing is layered out to where it says. Now, I mean, you got to kind of touch on the the Martha, 
the the, the Thomas and Martha Wayne thing. I was going to say Martha Kent, but mm-hmm. it's not Martha Kent. And he said in in the Bible, we already know what happened. We already know that they're fucking dead. We don't need to do a whole story on whatever. We can touch on it, but I don't want to fucking see, you know, uh, an entire story based off of how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Yeah. You know, now that doesn't mean that we can't tell stories about it, you know, and him growing up afterwards, you know, maybe a bit beforehand to show how they were as a family. But I don't want to do any fucking thing that has to do with Bruce Wayne watching his parents die. Now, like within the first season, they did something like that. So something had changed to where maybe it came down from DC. They said, or Warner Brothers that said, hey, we need to do this, and Bruce Tim kind of had to relent. Yeah. <clears throat> Bruce Tim is very fucking <clears throat> stubborn when it comes to this shit. He's very into towing his own line, and this is where we're going with this. Like, he is a purist. Like, when Superman, and I know we're getting off a little bit on the subject, but when, Super, when they found out, when you watch the animated series for Superman, and you find out that Brainiac is, is the one that destroyed Krypton, yeah. Bruce Tim was pissed. He's like, that's not the way it is. <laughs> this is how it is. And he he went fucking purist on the whole thing. We can't do this. This is this is completely out of left field. No, 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 no. Everybody <laughs> no, stop what no, they're doing. No. Stop it. Just stop. Oh no. And and they went, look, Bruce, he, and he and he basically he fucking went off on everybody. Yeah. You're all fucking stupid, right? Just yelling and screaming and kicking shit and breaking doors and whatever else. Yeah. And then he went away and he came back and he's like, Okay, I'm, okay, I, I can see your point. <laughs> right? Pitch it to me. All right, give me something. Come yeah. On. Why? He's like, I, I, know I, I know I got pissed. Prove to me you're not fucking asshole. But why? And they went, Because there is actually no real reason for Brainiac to exist. Uh huh. He just appears. Okay. And this is a connection for for everyone to kind of settle on, which is how did he become? How did Brainiac just become? Yeah. And he went, okay, so what is your plan? Well, Krypton blew up. How did that happen? The planet just went fucking nuclear one day and went unstable. What, yeah, if, give me some Come on. what if this guy, this fucking supercomputer... Because Krypton is this amazing planet, and this will all tie into mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Super sweet. Krypton is this amazing, amazingly technologically advanced planet. How did it get that way? And wouldn't it make sense to add Brainiac as part of that technologically advanced uh, um, group, planet, people, okay, right? Okay, you got my attention. So, <laughs> thanks, Bruce. So... If we say that he was built by the Kryptonians and then he became sentient, not only does it lend credence to the character in and of itself, yeah, it adds another layer to Superman's history, which is he doesn't know that Brainiac is Kryptonian. Yeah. he Because obviously he left before that. But by having... Doesn't check the patent code under his foot? Correct. <laughs> it doesn't say, at, or, uh, you know, Andy... Yeah. Right. Return to Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if lost. Yes. So it it 
it, it lends credence to the fact that he becomes sentient and wants to become more powerful. By becoming more powerful, he takes the energy from Krypton, which destroys the planet. See, he's like the the Uber Ultron. Right. Exactly. And then he flies about the universe consuming. Yeah. Like Galactus. Okay. Or ego. There we go. <laughs> now. That's called a segue. Now, going into <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, you have very similar characters in terms of Marvel and DC. One of the more interesting characters that I never knew about was this planet, this living planet called Ego. All right. Now, the way the way that it was done in the comics is that it, it was literally just a planet. Yeah, and it was, and it it's not in the comic book. Peter Quill's dad is someone else, something else. Well, it wasn't Ego. I know that because I read it. Well, yeah, yeah. Ego was not Peter Quill's dad in the in the comic book. I thought it was. Uh, Jason. Jason of Spartax was the emperor of the Spartal Empire and the father of Peter Quill, Star-Lord, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I don't know why they changed that, but then again, I mean, he could be using Jason. From what I understand of the, the little cross deals that, that Marvel makes with Sony and with Fox, um, one of the little deals they made with him um, on a previous film, I think it was for... Uh, uh, Age of Ultron. Uh-huh. Um, they gave like Disney gave this, and so then uh, then they also Disney also asked uh, about ego. Said, "Can we use ego for a future thing or something like that?" And then and then Fox said, "Okay." It was something I don't remember what you know what tit for tat it was, but right, you know, it could have been fucking I don't know. It could have well, been spandex pants on Scarlet, you know, Scarlet Witch's ass or something. I don't know. Okay, well, whatever your fucking ramble <clears throat> is. Doesn't make any sense. You just Bruce timmed my asshole for fucking five minutes, and I can't. I can't. You just went on a stupid ramble. That's all. (laughs) Uh, She, yeah, burn. (laughs) Jason, Jason, who had been seen with the Inhumans, was accused of being part of the plot. So they're using the Inhumans. They're probably using this Jason guy for the Inhumans, and they had to, yeah, they had to uh, readjust because. The, the story is pretty much the same, which is he was forced to crash land on Earth where he fell in love with a human woman named Meredith Quill. They had a short relationship before he was forced to leave to wage war for Spartax. They had a short relationship. Um, Jason oh. erased her memories of him without knowing that she had conceived. Just for the record, child. Star-Lord's mom is much hotter with longer hair. Yes. All right. Decided uh, to put that out there. Um, Not when she's dying she's from still, cancer. She's still... Or a brain tumor, sorry. Brain tumor, but if it's not a tumor, but if it's malignant, then, not it a, is, then it is cancer. It's not a tumor, <laughs> but it is tumor is not a tumor. Kind of like humor is. <laughs> uh, Badoon aliens emerge, vowing to end Spartoy bloodline that killed Meredith. So they they've they've adjusted the the way that she died. Yeah, which is fine. Like I said, they're they're reserving the Jason character for another, probably for the Inhumans. And that's why they're not, they can't show him in the movies. Yeah, something. Because the Inhumans are coming out next year. Yeah. All right. So instead of that, we have Ego, which, again, you could still use the whole his name was Jason type of thing instead of Ego when she met him. Yeah. So it kind of works out. Now, even though near the end of the movie this spreads to a bunch of worlds and shit, before that, 
this is a very self-contained episode, if you think about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I wanted to talk about this before we get into okay uh, the self-contained episode. Okay. So, and I forgot to write some stuff down. So give me a second here. Um, Am I supposed to just start dancing in front of the microphone? Yes. <laughs> we are at what two two nine? Yes. Okay. God, meat, meat train. I talked about that already, right? That would be in the last podcast. Oh, thank God. I fucking movie. Uh, Midnight disappointment. A monster calls. Thank you. And fucking uh, Dragon Blade. Cusack Blade or whatever. Dragon Blade. <laughs> Cusack. The Cusack. The, the Jackie Chan, John Cusack. God, double I, dragon. I almost put this movie as a, a Cusack movie as one of my flicks of the week, but it sucked so bad that I decided not to. It was the uh, Cell, uh-huh. the Stephen King adaptation. Um, I rented it uh, at Redbox, and it fucking sucks. The critics were not lying. It sucks. That movie sucks. When you have a movie with John Cusack for time. and Samuel Jackson in it, right. and it still fucking blows, and then the ending, the ending fucking sucked. It does this. 70s horror movie ending where it's all bleak and no chance of living and it just sucks. It, the whole movie sucked. Right. Ugh. Anyways, okay, so getting back into it. Sell. You can sell me shit with that movie. Before we get into the whole... Well, that's a good picture. Um, before we get into what you were going to talk about, right? He looks like a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> not a tumor. got the giant people on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Call it the crater. How fucking cool was it to mm-hmm. see them use young Kurt Russell? Yeah, when they're in the seventies, he mm-hmm. almost looked—I mean, almost looked like fucking Snake Plissken, dude. Um, yeah, they. It, you know what? And they're getting better and better with this because instead of them just doing a full like CG head like they did with Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy, uh-huh. or Marf, Moff Tarkin, you right? Know, um, right, Moff. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they just did this thing where it was Kurt Russell, and they just used a little, some CG here and there to to make him look. Yeah, better. they they mapped his old face to his new face. Now I know we're not supposed to jump Tech. ahead to the next week, but we already saw next week's movie, which is King Arthur, and we'll talk about that next time on, right. on the show. But um, they did that with uh, Jaimon uh, Hanzu. Yeah, when they made him look younger, and then and then with with CG and. You know what? I like that. I I have no problem with that. I think that's I don't fucking either. great. Especially because you you've got to connect a character anyways. Yeah. But by taking a younger Kurt Russell and then mapping his face to the old Kurt Russell, yeah. it makes it that much, it gives it credibility, you know? Yeah. You're not CGIing somebody's fucking mug onto somebody else's mug. By the way, Grand Moff Tarkin, yeah. the guy that played Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, yeah. if you look at him and have him stand next to Peter Cushing- he has go, he has the same exact facial structure. Same, okay, yeah. So yeah. that's why they mapped him. All right. Um, and he's the guy that did the voices too. So. Okay, so now you remember the fir- these first two movies start off in the past, right? Right. Right. And so you had the first one where it's Peter Quill's, you know, at the hospital seeing, saying goodbye to his mom. Right. And then he gets sucked up into the spaceship. And then this one, it's got Kurt Russell riding with with Mama Quill. Right. Uh Sounds like a drug. <laughs> Mama Quill. <laughs> Get the tussin right out of you. Night Quill. <laughs> Mama Quill. Um, Day Quill. 
And it, yeah, the, uh, the song was Brandy, right? That was playing when yes. we were driving. Yeah, because he loved talking about it later on. Kurt Russell did. Um, and then they go behind the Dairy Queen and make out, <clears throat> which is great. I'm glad they used the Dairy Queen. Right. That's fucking awesome. Uh, even though I don't go to Dairy Queen anymore because their prices are too fucking high. They can suck it. Um, Interesting fact. I have never been to Dairy Queen. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> no, I, um, I mean, I've had their ice cream, but I've, I've never been to Dairy Queen to eat. I used to love like to get their and blizzards, stuff. but then they've been like everyone else. Like how Starbucks, every like quarter, they raise another 20 cents, 25 cents until it becomes so much that that's that's right. what Dairy Queen is. Their blizzards now cost like, they're five like bucks. fucking five bucks, dude, or more. And it's this little fucking pussy cup. I, I'm i cool. I'm good. You, you've lost your, your fat guy demographic. Uh, there you go. Because you're overcharging in the hood. Yeah. That's okay. why I go to McDonald's. Yeah. All right. So uh Or Wendy's. Yeah. You know what? And I will give props to Wendy's for this. Their Frosties, their large Frosties are like two thirty nine. Dear Wendy's, sponsor us. That's a good fucking price. Come on. We love your food. That is not that that, that bring me back every day. There's no fucking there is no fucking Dairy Queen within thirty miles of this place. Uh there are there are two in Orangevale Citrus Heights. The one that was on Riverside on your way back to the freeway when you leave work, uh-huh. that one shut down. That yeah. one's gone. Like I said, within 30 miles, dude. There used to be one on Manzanita. That one got replaced by this place. The guy changed the name to uh, <laughs> Habib's Habib, <laughs> Habib Queen. It was it's it's just like Dairy Queen, but he changed it a little bit. It's like a fairy. I don't know, lactose beef or something. I can't remember what the fuck he changed it to, but right. it's very similar to Dairy Queen. And so it's the same building. He just changed the sign. It's like, I don't want to pay their franchise no, fees anymore. fuck your franchise. Fuck your franchise fees. Yeah, so uh, dear Wendy's. So we're going after two. Wendy's. And Dairy Queen. RC Cola. Oh, yeah, because fuck Dairy Queen. Yeah. They've priced fuck. them themselves yeah. out. And and there is n- no fucking no fucking Dairy Queens anyways. Yeah. You know, Foster's Freeze. I'll, I'll, I can settle for Foster's because I do like Foster's. This is a, a, a complaint, but not really a complaint. Like the one in your town, right there off the freeway. Uh huh. I like that one, and I don't like that one. It's because you're fucking retarded. What I don't like is the lazy part of Joe doesn't like that there's not a drive-through. That's the lazy part. But the classic nostalgic Joe appreciates that it purposely does not have a drive-through because they could put one there, even though the the the, the parking lot goes up on the other side of the building. They could still do. They could have still done something. Right. But still, I you know what. Fuck it. Leave it that way. Make people have to get out of their cars. You know? And and that... I think that's important. Importante. Importante. All right. So, <laughs> I don't want to keep getting further and further away from this movie. Um, look, anyone who's seen the movie... Almost everyone's already seen the movie. The movie's been out for a fucking week, and everyone's seen this movie. I've seen it twice. Oh, so, there's a Dairy Queen on Greenback Lane. I know. There's two of them. There's one in Citrus Heights, and then there's one way down past Maine um, in Orangevale. Joe Daddy knows what the Dairy Queens are. He just doesn't want to spend the money there anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm like, dude, I I can go to fucking, I can go to the grocery store, buy a big ass bucket ice cream, and all the fixings, and then boom, have as many blizzards I want. My favorite. Uh, Is that a gnat? A fucking gnat flying? (laughs) Fuck your house, man! Gnats flying in my mouth while I'm talking. Yeah, let's let's get into where we live. Son of a bitch! You want to get into where we live, conveniently? (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, man! No roaches ever flew into my mouth when I was talking. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> when I'm sleeping, that's a different story. All right. So, uh, 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, what else? God damn, what a fucking rant off. So, the first two movies are in the 80s, right? Right. God damn, making out behind Dairy Queen. Um, the third one, I, hopefully, this is, I, I don't, I don't want to call it the safe bet, but I think that the best thing you can do for, for the intro to part three when they do it is to have young Yondu, or Yondu ch- training, you know, doing something with young Peter. Well, yeah, I mean, the first one was young Peter. The second one was the mom before Peter was born. Yeah. And now the third one has to be... Yeah, a middle like a teenager. Yeah, because if you remember, it did that quick flash thing at the end of the movie when it's showing what you know, like it showed Peter with Yondu and Yondu shoot, teaching him how to shoot. Uh huh. You know that that right there, just like okay, I could totally see that being the the start of part three. Yep. So <laughs> you fucking RC Cola, dude. Yeah, come on, RC. I don't even drink that shit because they put high fructose corn syrup in I their love stuff. Love RC. They Cola. need to put sugar, man. If you're going to kill me and give me diabetes, well, why don't you uh, give it to me more naturally? Come on, you like that accent. Come on. I do. Give it to me more naturally. Give it to me. <laughs> I, I, I love I love that 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 fucking accent is one of the coolest. What do you get? You know, the cholo. Yeah. I don't care who it is. If, if you can do that or I, you know, you go down to Southern California yeah. and you meet those guys. Those guys are the fucking coolest. I don't care what anybody says. Hey, look at the shirt. I'm Re- looking. Relax. Okay, brother. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could never keep a straight face around around guys that talk like that. Yeah. Because a, it's cool. It just makes me laugh. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing because it's it's fucking cool and it it makes me happy. Hey, you're comfortable enough to keep talking like that. Then. Yeah. It's like a part of you now. Yeah. Yeah, if you talk a certain way for a long enough time, that's you. Yeah. That's, you know, like accents and stuff. It's right. like, how can how can a black guy have a British accent? Because uh, he lived there his whole life? Yeah. He was born there? Yeah. Duh. It's like asking, you that, know. That one actor, that Asian actor who has a fucking Texas accent? Yeah. It's like, how the fuck? Because he grew up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's Korean. The Korean comedian. Yes. Uh, is it jo- Not Joe Coy. Joe Coy is uh, Filipino. Um, oh. I could with the with the magic of technology, I could look it up just so so quickly. Yeah. I'm a Korean comedian. Redneck Asian comedian. Just look up redneck Korean. Here's a magic video. Here's an I didn't ask for a fucking video, you cock. Here's the magic. Hey Google. Hey Google, suck it. Hey rich, Google. Rich Fox. Come on, you're supposed to work it, dick. Hey Google. Henry Cho. Yeah. He was in uh Mikhail's Navy, by the way. Was he? Yeah. With Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Bad funny right there. I don't care who you are. Have you ever heard Larry the Cable Guy when he's not doing his shtick? Dan Dan something or other is his name. Yeah, when he just talks like a regular guy. Yeah. It's fucking it's just so weird because it's it, you see someone doing a character so much that sometimes you believe that's their actual persona. You know, and then you're like, dude, that's not him at all. We, we've gone way off the reservation on this one. You know why? Because this movie speaks for itself. It's fucking fun. All right. Um, the, and once again, okay, same thing as last time. Most of the songs in Awesome Mix, you know, tape volume one, uh-huh. I didn't really, I didn't really care for outside of the movie. I, I don't, I've heard them too many times, or they just weren't really my flavor. All right. But when you're watching, it's just like with the fucking, you know, Titanic song from Celine Dion. When I'm watching the movie, the song is fucking perfect with it. Outside of the movie, well, that's different because now. That, you know what? That is the difference with this movie. I'm liking these songs now because they're in this fucking movie. So even I can listen to them, most of them outside of it. Like, 
off the top of my head, the only song that I loved from this movie before I saw it was Surrender by Cheap Trick. Right. I've always loved that fucking song. It reminds me of like when Conan switched over to The Tonight Show and it does this whole montage of him running across the United States and it's playing that song the whole time. It's fucking great. But I, I love the song from before even that. But you have all the other songs in this movie like uh, Mr. Blue Sky. You know, I don't recall ever hearing Mr. Blue Sky or or liking it at all uh, from Electric Light Show or what? It, what's the name? Yellow. Electric Light Company or whatever. Electric right? Light Orchestra. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, see how much I pay attention to those guys? No. But the song, the movie, I mean, if you put aside, you know, uh, uh, Brandy, because that plays, you know, at the beginning little thing with uh, Kurt Russell, when you have the actual intro title sequence with little baby Groot, <laughs> and they're on top of that, 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 that fucking, uh, what do those people call themselves? The gold fuckers? The Pensieves? <laughs> what the fuck they call themselves? The reservoirs? What the was Enclave it? or something like the, that. The, uh, it was uh, the, 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 the benigns. I, fuck, I can't remember. Anyway, the sovereign, not sovereign. The sovereigns. Were they the sovereign? Yeah. Okay. Um, when they're all battling on top of that, and it does the whole intro title sequence, and they're playing Mr. Blue Sky. That's and. It. That shit fucking it's just perfect. It's it you we I, I you know, I've seen the movie twice and I'm sitting back and I'm just I'm just enjoying it. I'm like, dude, right. this is like when you're someone who is so and I'm talking about James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> hey Google, shut up. Fuck you, Googly. Great Googly Moogly. Um, anyways. <laughs> so when you're someone is so into this thing as James Gunn is, you can see his love for the passion, you know, this passion project of his. And the fact that Disney lets him, lets him just fucking run away with how he's going to do it. You know, like, you're like, we've talked about this before, how like Edgar Wright walked away and stuff like that because he didn't have as much creative control, right? Right. But it seems like Disney is really trusting James Gunn with this shit. Oh, B- shit. Big time. Yeah, Elizabeth Debicki from, she was in Gatsby and she was in um, The Man from Uncle. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I know. At first I thought she was Kate Blanchett or something <laughs> but um, when I saw her in the trailers. I, I thought very similarly. I thought it was, you know, someone like Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I didn't know it was Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah, I um, I gave her a lot of props when I saw Gatsby, when I took my daughters to go see it back in 2013. She was one of the highlights of that film because I, I had a lot of problems with that movie. I don't want to get into but Right. Um, I've only seen that movie once and I still remember my problems with it, which is funny because most of the movies we see that I don't care for or that are just middle ground don't fucking remember shit about them. But I, I always remember Gatsby. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who that, oh, that's the pawn. Yeah, she's... Mantis. Um, you fucking changed subjects on me by, by talking about the Bicky, goddammit. The Sovereigns. <laughs> you are so, talking about the Sovereigns. I was talking about the whole intro sequence. Right. James Gunn just knows what he's doing he's he's somehow he's able to just make you enjoy what he's enjoying as he's putting it on the screen you know and the fact that he's gone through this whole process of 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 previs and 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 planning out and storyboarding and all this shit and then to have the final product out in front of you i I just taser face i would love to be a director and go through all the shit it takes to make something like this, something this big, and watch it pay off, and then watch the audience's reactions to it. I, you know, it's funny that you say that. 
I would like to be a director and watch and, and have something succeed far beyond anything that I could ever imagine uh-huh. and do something that fucking fails spectacularly uh-huh. <laughs> just to see the differences. Like Oliver Stone, Lin- like how he's had the he's had the huge Kevin Smith. He's had the huge and he's had the fucking obliterated. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, George Lucas. George Lucas went through that with Star Wars. And but yet they made money, though. No, 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 no. He went through that with Star Wars. Look, the prequel trilogy. Don't do it. it. Don't do it. Whether you like it or not, it was a success. The, the fucking the fucking shit made three billion dollars. So there weren't a lot of people that didn't like it. My point is, is that nobody saw Red Tails. No, no. I did. Do you like it? Um, the it was okay. okay. <clears throat> it wasn't great. But that's not George Lucas's fault. He hired somebody to direct it for him, and then he ended up firing that guy and trying to salvage what he had. Yeah. And the the aerial battles were amazing. Um, the story, but my point being is that most directors have had that problem. Yeah. So James Gunn's his passion um, for for Guardians of the Galaxy it shows. He just uh, he made comments back at uh, there was someone who oh man what the hell was it it was. Someone made comments about how big budget action movies like like superhero movies and stuff like that the passion is the same kind of passion isn't put into those as it is with low budget stuff uh-huh. and it doesn't have the heart and James Gunn fired back and he said if you think that that you like when you do a movie like Dread or something else like that that's low budget and then you see when uh, someone like me does Guardians of the Galaxy or the Russo brothers do Civil War and um, and the Winter Soldier. Right. If you don't think that we have this, we're putting the same amount of heart and effort into those as someone does with an independent film, you're full of shit. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. And it's, you know what? I agree. I disagree to some extent, but not when it comes to James Gunn. Not when it comes to the Russo brothers and other directors like them. Um, this when these guys look. These are the. Disney picked the right people, okay? I know it's Marvel Studios, but it's still Disney. So, Well, no, it's not Disney. Marvel Studios picked the right people. They, Disney's just the overseer. It's, it's like they're there, and they make sure that you, you know, everything is, the ship is running. They are letting the people that, that they trust to run this shit run it properly. But Marvel is a completely separate entity. You have to understand that just because Disney owns Marvel doesn't mean that Disney has any fucking say and I'm not saying that they don't, but I'm saying that Disney's say in the whole Marvel thing is uh, is very, very minimal. Like I just said. Just they, like with Lucasfilm. They put their trust in the right people, and they do the right shit with it. Oh, yeah. If it were failing miserably like fucking Bat, like the DC stuff, mm-hmm. you can guarantee that Disney would be in there wholesale firing everybody. <laughs> yeah. Let's so- fix this shit. Fuck you all. It's done. Mm-hmm. Get someone in here that knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, and and they they do. Kevin Feig knows exactly what he's doing. Look, less than a month from now, we're gonna go see Wonder Woman. Okay, Wonder Woman. Do you have any fucking excitement for that at all? <laughs> yes, you actually do. I do. I don't. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the movie. I'm, I, I'm the best that we've seen so far is parts of Guardians of the Galaxy and parts. Oh, I'm sorry. Fuck, man. The best parts we've seen so far that I've seen personally is parts of Suicide Squad and parts of Man of Steel. That's it. Okay. So there's, it, it's not there, man. I, 
I don't get any fucking feels from these trailers. And I look, you I, don't? No, not Dude, not this fucking this. Wonder Woman is fucking amazing looking. Look, this, okay, but that's the trailer. You know what I see? That's the trailer. Do you know what I see when I'm watching the trailer? Zack Snyder's sucker punch. I'm seeing Zack Snyder's Captain America. The first Avenger. Mm. That's what I'm seeing. Straight fucking up, dude. I I just see copy, copy, copy. And I mm. I don't want to, I don't, fuck it. It pisses me off because I want this shit to be awesome. I want both sides to fucking be, you know, lucrative and, and, and amazing and, and, and paying off. You know, I just, I don't, I hate this stupid, like, better than the other shit. You know, it'd be fucking awesome if, you know, because right. I never really cared for Wonder Woman, but if you do Wonder Woman right, guess what? I'm gonna like Wonder Woman. Right, but we're way off fucking subject again. Yeah, but the I understand what you're saying, but I'm excited for for Wonder Woman. It looks good. It seems to have this. Well, it's it's of World War Two. Is the Agent Carter? But it's of, World War Two. Wonder Woman. It doesn't matter. It's World War Two. It's when she. It's World War One. No. Wonder Woman's turn of the century, 1900. Better double check that. Because she came to prominence during World War II. If you remember the when when um, Bruce Wayne in, in Batman v Superman um, looks at the picture, it's dated like 1914 or 03. Or, it's early 1900s. The picture where Chris Pine's in there with her. The old uh, photo. World War One. Okay, World War One. Yeah. Or when I believe ended in 1914? 1917. Okay, so it ran for three years, started in 14. No, 14 through 18. Yeah. Well, God damn it. Four and a half years. How not it amazing that something is as as impossibly large as World War One was is almost completely overshadowed by World War Two? 42 million people dead. Shit. And yet we're still dealing with overpopulation. Of course, if you look at how big the world is, I don't care. We don't have overpopulation. Let's just fucking around in the same I don't, fucking areas. I don't fucking care. Well, then stop looking at World War One shit. You're the one that keeps talking about vamping for time. We'll stop, we'll stop vamping for fucking space on my screen. I'm not vamping for space on your screen. You can't keep fucking focused on talking about Guardians of the Galaxy long enough to, you know. Am I here to be your fucking talking monkey? Yes. <laughs> so put on Guardians on the screen. So then. just keep going. We were talking about Wonder Woman anyways. Wonder Woman! Stick it in your butt! (laughs) So, right from the intro again, James Gunn's giving me what you want, and it's just perfect, man. It's perfect. You get to introduce introduce every character and their their personalities and all that just right from the start. And, yeah, this whole movie is self-contained for the most part. What I'm wondering is, because from, from what people are saying... Um, you know, the experts, they're saying that this movie set like either three, it's like three to six months after the events of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So that means it's before like, uh, it's before Civil War and stuff like that. So if you notice there, when that part happens, when Ego's making his shit spread on the other planets and Earth and it eats up, you know, the fucking, the Dairy Queen and half the town, mm-hmm. there's no mention of that in the other movies at all and, and not on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. either that I, I'm aware of. So, I'm wondering if they're going to try to deal with that, like, you know, because that sounds like a plot hole to me, because something that large would get noticed. So. Sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't fucking know. 
You just refused to put Guardian shit up. You got Foster fucking Freeze. I got Foster Freeze up. I haven't had Foster Foster Freeze in a long time. Isn't the 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 um the spot the uh the mascot like the Pillsbury Doughboy or something? <laughs> Pillsbury uh, up your butt boy. <laughs> Didn't we look up who the? It was like Asian Scott Bayo. Asian Scott Bayo. <laughs> it's John Cho. That's not John Cho. Looks like him. No. Um. Sauce. Oh, I know. I sent a tweet to uh, official RC Cola. Hey, look, Pikachu. To sponsor our podcast, <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send Foster's Freeze a a tweet too. Sponsor our podcast, jerks. Yeah, and say yeah, and then send something to RC saying start using uh, real sugar. No, you cheap fucks. Why? Call them cheap fucks. Why? That's what I want to do. You hey. just. Hey, um, we're coming after you to sponsor, you cheap fucks. Campbell, what? You just publicly humiliated the sponsor. Yeah, so? You're fired. Oh, whatever. I'm taking my shoe and I'm leaving. We own the show. Ah, bite me. What's that from? I don't know. Come on. I don't know. It's from Wayne's World, man. I don't fucking It was care. Rob Lowe. He was, it was a part where... Where Wayne is, um, they're, they're actually doing the, the big sellout episode, the intro of Wayne's World. Joe. And he has the signs I don't that care. says he blows goats. I, I approve. I don't care. <laughs> we're trying to talk about fucking Guardians no, of the Galaxy. No, we're not, because you keep putting fucking other Who shit Who gives on the a screen. shit? Just focus on the fucking review. Jesus Christ. Don't blame me for your fucking lack of dedication to a goddamn review. Dork. All right. Guardians you're of the Galaxy. You're a fucking hater, man. I'm not a hater. You're just <laughs> dumb. Me want to talk about French fries. Yeah. Ugh. Taco Bell French fries, suck it. So yes, this movie is like in no way, visibly anyway, connected to any of the uh, cinematic universe of Marvel, right? What? It's not. It's its own thing. It's, no, it's totally connected. It is absolutely connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yes and no. All all of it, one hundred percent. Because that spreader part, the part where where Eagle spreads his seed on other planets, Earth included. There's no mention of it. it did, you don't else. have to mention it. Just because one person does something on a planet full of 7 billion people doesn't mean you have to mention every little fucking thing that happens. That's not a little fucking thing. It when is. When a big globulous, globulous mass spreads over half a fucking town, that's noteworthy. It's a fucking town. If you could see that shit from space, it's then a, you know it's noteworthy. It's a fucking town, and it's a footnote in anybody's history. It doesn't mean shit. It's like the ruins of Pompeii. It's not that massive. Hey, excuse me. In the United States of A, if something like that happened, that would be big fucking news. No, it wouldn't. Why because wouldn't it? Because it's happened tons of times. We've had firework fucking factories blowing up that show up. Okay. So if a gigantic gelatinous mass, Again, like that G.I. Joe episode, how many, fucking spreads over a whole fucking town, it, didn't, it wouldn't a, become noteworthy. A, the fireworks factory was only seen by several million people. It doesn't matter. Thanks, YouTube. How many people are on the planet? Okay. How many people are on the planet? A lot. Seven billion. Okay. Less than one percent. Less than one percent saw that fucking fireworks video on Facebook. Okay. So that doesn't mean shit. His little, the little fucking globule that came out don't mean shit in a small town full of nobody gives a fucks. Nobody cares. It's a footnote. It will be forgotten in six weeks. Plane crash in fucking Shanksville made a big deal. No, it didn't. Planes crash all the time. Car crashes all the time. 
fucking massive pileups. How was the last time you remember a massive pileup happening on I five? A couple years ago during a fog. yeah, it happens every fucking six weeks, every six weeks, but you only hear about the one that killed a dog, <laughs> or the driver fell asleep. You can't compare everyday shit to a, a fucking event. That's not an event. To an interstellar event. No, it's not a fucking it's event. It's a supernatural event. No, not an event. A gigantic globulous mass. Nobody gives a shit, covers dude. Covers a whole fucking town. That's not an event. It didn't cover a whole town. It covered part of a town, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Again, the big picture is, is that small town, nobody gives a fuck about. It's that simple. The MCU is all connected. All of it. Everywhere at once, all the time. It's all happening right fucking now. Okay, Mike. God damn it. I'm saying that this episode, Volume 2, is very disconnected from everything it else. It is not disconnected. It I is 100% connected. You can't. You can't. You can't say that this fucking episode is disconnected when it is 100% connected to everything that's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, The Defenders, Iron Fist, all of it. It's done on purpose. It's all connected. It has to be because their canon requires it to be connected. Okay, but did we you agreed with me also that this is a very self-contained episode. It is a self-contained episode. Doesn't mean it's disconnected. Well, if it's a personal story that happened to Peter Quill that needs um, closure. Okay. Well, if you want, uh, if you want to be completely technical about all this shit, then hey. Okay, they, they, if there is all these connections to everything else in the Marvel Universe, then it hasn't been established yet. It has been established. How has it been established? Well, first and foremost, the you have the Collector. Film. You have the Collector. Which is put in for... Oh, the, the Collector's not even in this movie. He was in the first one. Yeah, but he's not in this one. And he was connected to Thor. Yes. Who was, He was given one of the Infinity Gems. Yes. At, at the end of whatever, first Thor or second Thor. It doesn't matter. He was The Collector was connect, is connected. Yes. Therefore, At the end of the Dark World, the Collector gets the stone, yes. And then Peter Quill goes to the Collector to get the other, to give him the other Infinity Gem. Yes. And now you have Ego talking about him going, I wouldn't have believed it myself until you grabbed the fucking Infinity Gem and were able to survive grabbing the Infinity okay, Gem. Okay, so he heard a rumor. That in, in it the- doesn't matter. It's still connected. It is still connected. Just those three things connects the entire Marvel Universe together. Those three things. Thor Dark World or End of Thor or wherever they fucking... First Guardians, yes, I agree. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. It's all connected. What I'm saying... uh, Dude, you're trying too hard. I'm I'm not trying too hard. trying too hard. I'm saying that the events in this, this episode are all just here and there happening right there. Okay. There's no implementation towards anything else. Oh, absolutely. If you, if you watch Iron Man 2, there's connections to S.H.I.E.L.D. and this other shit. There is absolutely. If you watch Thor the Dark World, there's connections to other shit, too. Completely wrong. There is absolutely connections to everything that's going on in the Marvel Universe because of what's going on in this one single Guardians of the Galaxy episode. Not only is it just Thor, the new Thor Ragnarok coming out, okay? It connects Infinity War. It connects the new Spider-Man. It connects everything. 
This Guardians of the Galaxy is more important than everybody realizes because of what Ego has been able to see, just Ego alone. I have traveled the universe to look for intelligent life. I finally found it on Earth. Lo and behold, I had to come back home, blah, 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 for whatever his stupid reasons. But he found intelligent life. And the only place that he liked the intelligent life was Earth, right? That's what he kind of said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said, right? And he would visit Earth every so often. Yeah, he said he went there three times, and he wouldn't go back and forth because he would have stayed. Right. He went to visit Meredith three times. That doesn't mean that he didn't go to other places on Earth because, look, that seed was in Peter Quill's hometown, right? That doesn't mean that he didn't plant seeds all over the Earth. And that also has bigger, bigger, what's the word I'm looking for here? Effects. It's a bigger word for effects. Yeah. Consequences. Thank you. Those seeds have bigger consequences because those are part of him. Am I not right? Well, once the light died, he's not connected Ah. at all. Ah. The light died. Ah. Those seeds are his light. But once he goes gone, those lights are all gone. Maybe. Again, we're talking about Marvel. And we're talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, in the movie, they make it look like it's done. But they never went back and said. They only went back to that one that was in on Earth. Mm-hmm. The only one that actually erupted, right? Because that was, let's just call it the gene seed, the first one. Those that are planted are still in the ground. Ego had to come from somewhere, right? So he built his own little thing. What if... Now, he says that he has to return home to his planet in order to recharge or else he loses his human form. But what if he's not the only one? He says he is. He's a celestial, but there are multiple celestials. So there has to be more than one home. He just grew himself out of a... He just made a planet out of himself. Yeah, over millions of years. But that doesn't mean that there aren't others around or that doesn't mean that he is not connected to another planet. You see what I'm saying? What if those seeds were his way of, for lack of a better term, impregnating a planet, okay? Because he knew, he saw this coming, and he was he's the reason why he was implanting these seeds, who's to say he, that one of the seeds already didn't erupt on another planet, right? Well, and he, terraform that planet. Well, he said that... That's why he was searching for children of his, and none of them had the light in them, like, right. like Peter Quill did. But, again, Ego is a deceiver, right? Yeah. So, what if he fucking lied to Peter anyways? He lied to Peter to get his quote-unquote celestialness, but every one of his children, even though they may have not have been strong enough, still had that. That's why, did you see the pile of fucking bones? Yeah, those were all failures of... Uh, not necessarily. I'm just saying what the movie's saying. I know, but looking deeper into the movie, he's a fucking liar. Ego is a liar. Ego. Yeah, I know. Right? Well, I already got that when he wanted to make every planet himself. Right. But th- that's then that's the point I'm trying to make. What if he's already done this? What if it, what if there is a planet that's out there? Now, I'm not looking up any fucking ego stuff right now. Because I'm, I'm. We want to talk about this before I start looking up to see if m- my theory is true. Because I've never read Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm aware of Ego, the Living Planet. Mm-hmm. But what if Ego seeded another planet, just in case something like this would happen? 
Okay. Because he knows that he has multiple children out there, and he doesn't know if any of these children are going to have latent celestial powers like Peter Quill, but there's more... There's going to be more than one. That's just that's just lottery numbers. Okay? There's going to be more than one that has the same or almost the same or more power than Peter. Okay? <laughs> he may not have found the one that has more power, but he's probably found multiples that have less power, which he has fed from, killed, and used to build a planet. All based off of if, if he was lying. All based off of... <laughs> The fact that he's a deceiver and numbers. What are you spitting into? A napkin. That's fucking gross, dude. It was better than spitting on the floor. Why are you spitting? I got phlegm in my throat. I got phlegm. All right, anyways. It's from the fucking coffee or something. <sighs> so let's look up Ego Living Planet. By the way, the very first scene where they show Groot dancing yeah. sets the entire fucking movie into motion. Okay. That whole thing with him and the whole idea of if you think about it, it's they James Gunn took basically airplane, right? Uh-huh. Where everything is happening in the background, funny, not funny, or whatever, uh-huh. and brought the character forward that we're supposed to be focusing on and let all the action in the background just happen. Yeah. You know? And then you know, this the the point where Gamora sees him and he waves at her and she gets all happy. He's like, Hi. Yeah. You know? And then she goes right back into fucking fighting the living Cthulhu slug or whatever the fuck that yeah, is. Yeah, the interdimensional fucking something. <laughs> so that sets the tone for the whole movie. And yeah, this is a personal type of thing. Again, when I saw it, the very first thing I thought of was, this is the Empire Strikes Back, just reverse. Okay? Okay. Where, where Ego shows up at about the same point that you know, at the beginning of the movie, that Darth Vader sh- shows up to fight Luke at the end of the movie, uh-huh. give or take. So if you flip the movies around, right, backwards yeah. to forwards, and then you just kind of mishmash a lot of shit in there, you know, him crashing on a planet, but he's with Drax and Gamora and everybody else, yeah. and they're stranded on the planet, and then they have to split up, you know? Yeah. So instead of Hoth, it's... Wherever the fuck, you know, fucking Yondu invasion world. Yeah. And and Rocket is there with Gamora's sister. Nebula. While, while Peter, Drax, and Gamora, and Mantis, and Ego leave. Let's see, Peter, Gamora, Drax, 3PO, <laughs> Han, Leia, Chewie, and Lando. Oh, imagine that. How convenient. You and your fucking Star Wars connections. I'm just saying. I've always said that if you're going to do something big, there there are three or four movies that you copy from. Uh. I've always said it. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, sort of. Jurassic Park, Jaws, those six movies, give or take. And there's a couple of others that you can throw in there. Yeah. You know, for shits and giggles. They're the last crusade. <clears throat> but... If you want, and, and then you just kind of make your own thing out of it. You use that as a template and then, you know, mix and match and go from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, you're, you're on your thing, man. I know, I know. But <laughs> I, I have completely fucking... You have become the living fucking planet of this episode, Jesus. 
Holy I'm shit. so impressed with this movie. That's why. Yeah. It, look, it, you're somehow you're trying to see you're seeing some big fucking picture of 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 later on. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing this as a self a fully on self contained thing. I get what you're saying, but for me, it's like this movie. This is, don't take this the wrong way, but if this movie didn't happen, I don't see if it happened or not it having any effect on anything else in the Marvel Universe. That That's just how I see this movie. Okay. But regardless, this I, movie's fucking great. I, just to let everybody know that's listening, I'm not trying to convince you to change your mind. I'm just telling you my opinion. Uh-huh. You know, you already have your... You already have it set in your head how you view the movie, and I'll be damned. You okay? Yeah, it's just something in my eye, like your finger. I think I had a gnat in one eye, a gnat in my mouth, and then I think I thought I thought I had another gnat in the other fucking eye. Well, there are no bugs flying around. Huh? I told you to close the fucking door, but no. What's, what's no fucking house. Anymore? Shut up. I fucking breathe. So, <laughs> with um, <clears throat> with, with the way everything is. I'll be damned if if I'm going to sit here and say, you're wrong and I'm right. Although it sounds like it. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is the thinking thinking process that you're going through Uh is, in in the way I hear it, is this movie isn't connected, but it is. Well, there could be a down-the-road thing, sure. Oh, it's super huge connected. I just, but at this moment, this is how I see I just see this movie as its own thing. Like, it almost feels like it's on purpose, like... uh, like, like, like whoever the studio heads are, they're, they're saying, just dude, just let it be its own thing. And then we'll connect it when we feel like connecting it. You know, like say when, when the guardians are going to show up, I have this feeling that with, when the guardians show up in infinity war, that it's going to be a Han Solo thing. You know what I mean? Like Peter Quill shows up, it, it, they all show up in the ship uh-huh. and, you know, come in like the millennium Falcon. <laughs> You know, in the trenches, kind of thing. Right. Uh, I just keep picturing that, like, and they purposely, you know, like copy it, and then, and then, you know, uh, Star Lord makes some comment, some some Han Solo comment, now because if you noticed, ever since, uh, ever since uh, Marvel or Disney bought uh, bought uh, Lucasfilm or bought Star Wars, there's been a shitload more Star Wars comments in the Marvel movies that I've noticed, like in Civil War with the the whole Spider Man and Empire Strikes Back thing. When he's going around uh, Ant Man, giant Ant Man and shit, um, it seems like I'm, I, I'm noticing some kind of a Star Wars reference in every movie in the past while. Are they oh, fucking computers? Can you finally set it this time? All right, good. No. <laughs> All right, is it gonna do it though? I fine tomorrow at twelve forty six. Gives a fuck. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you uh, you even said something about the what was it the uh, the part. When uh, they're running in in Empire is the same as like when they're doing the uh, the asteroid field, the uh, the quantum uh, asteroid field, where the asteroids are coming going yeah. in and out of you know in and out of our dimension. Correct. So, <laughs> you do. All right. Um, look, I know we we you know, we keep starting on one thing and going back and forth on, on other shit and then boom. But back to the soundtrack, man. The soundtrack. Almost every scene that this movie is having some kind of, some kind of classic '70s song playing in it, mm-hmm. it, it just works so well. I, I, you know, I don't like. I don't know why. And this is weird. This is really fucking weird because I like, I like. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold what? on. What? 
By the way. What? Ego has a brother. Okay. It's called Alter Ego. All right. So that means that Peter Quill isn't fucking non-immortal anymore. Well, that's if they decide to integrate that into it or oh, not. Oh, you know they're going to. Anyways. Okay. So. Movie uh, no, soundtracks. So, yeah, it's, um, like, for example, I so Parliament. I don't, I'm not. I look. I appreciate the 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 what is it the contribution that that Parliament and P Funk ha, have has given to R and B and hip hop over the last four you know thirty forty years. Um, their oh my god, they, their shit has been sampled so much, has influenced so much of shit that I've grown up with. I mean, they're awesome. Okay, but there's certain songs by them I I just I don't either don't want to hear anymore or I'm tired of, or I never liked. Flashlight. That's in the plays are in the end credits. Uh-huh. I I don't like this fucking song. I don't know why. It there's there's it's weird. It's like me criticizing Pearl Jam. I don't like Pearl Jam. I give them props though because they're a good fucking band. I just don't like them. Does that make sense? Uh huh. That's how it is with with Flashlight. It's a good fucking song. It's got beats. Got the rhythm. It's got its own distinctive cool style. But I don't fucking like it. I've never liked it. The song puts me in a fucking uh, leave me alone kind of mood when it comes on. Now, during the end credits of this movie, it worked for me. It didn't really bug me. All right. But the other movies in this song, uh, the other songs in this movie, my movies bad. Movies in this song. <laughs> is, is songs that, you know, some of them I've heard, most of the songs in this movie I've heard. And I didn't think about them either way. Like, I didn't even remember they existed. But they all fit so damn well. Like, you could tell that, that James Gunn, while he was writing the screenplay, he was already envisioning what where he wanted that, this that song particular song to be playing right like the father and son song by was it fisher stevens at the end of the movie Uh that's not a song i would ever like before this movie i would have ever have paid attention to fisher stevens fisher stevens yeah or is it cat stevens it's cat stevens and then oh i'm thinking of fisher stevens is the actor correct from hackers who was married to michelle pfeiffer 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 oh shit i did not know that um anyway Fucking damn you. The, so the songs, uh, uh, like that, yeah, Father and Son song. Uh-huh. That song wouldn't have had any effect on me at all before seeing this movie, right? If it had been playing, like, if I actually was listening to local radio, which I don't really do anymore, except maybe morning news driving my kid to school, um, if I was scanning through and this song was on, like playing on, you know, 96.9 or something, I would just skip through it and go to another station, Right. But because I've heard it in this movie played at the perfect part, I like the fucking song now. And this song is, it's going to, does that that make me trendy? Yes. Well, fuck it, whatever. (laughs) If I like it, I like it. So, but now this song, you know what? Here, I'm going to boil the fucker down for you. All right. My grandmother passed a couple weeks ago and she has always been there in my life. You know, she's always been... Even when I look, I've been on my own a lot and I was able to take care of myself and my family, you know, but she was always there if I needed her. And when I did need her, she was there and she never, she never faltered. She never, you know, she never was hard on me about, you know, my stupid decisions I made in my life. So, um, I took her death particularly hard at the time. Well, so I'm, I'm feeling very sentimental for the past couple of weeks. When there's certain songs that come on the radio, especially Johnny Cash, holy shit, the older Johnny Cash stuff, like Hurt, mm-hmm. that they played in the Logan trailer, and and um, you know, uh, I hung my head and, and God's gonna put you down, stuff like that. 
that shit hits me, man. It, it, it's it's especially right now because I'm feeling that that sentimental feeling. Um, when we were watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, when I was watching it with you, and especially when I was watching it with my kids, that scene where all the fireworks are going off and and where where Yandu puts his hands on on his on, on yep. Peter's face and he, he, it's just that little gesture, that little teeny fucking gesture, dude. It had me, dude. Oh yeah, I mean, it fucking it, had. Me. It got me too. And. And I, I know that because of what I'm going through right now, um, it was more intense than it normally would be. But still, it would still be there. And so maybe maybe because of what I'm going through at the moment, it's tainting a, for negative or positive, whatever. It, it might be changing my actual view of how I would have viewed this movie, right? especially because of the ending. But I don't give a shit because, you know what, It's in a way it's better because I love this movie even more because of it. Does that make sense? Yes. So... Yeah, uh, that the, James Gunn knows how to make this shit work. I could totally picture the way that I felt while I was watching the end of the movie and that song, the father and son song was playing. Uh, I could totally picture James Gunn picking that song on purpose because it probably was some kind of a um, a nostalgic uh, comfort for him from when he was a kid. Maybe that song was important to him because it reminded him of his actual father or something else, you know, or another loved one. Right. And so I could see him purposely putting that song there, you know, like I wouldn't even doubt that if he had 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 that song picked three years ago or four years ago when he was doing concept shit for the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, well, he's got 300 songs. There you go. Because of the Zune. Yeah, (laughs) the Zune. (laughs) It's what everybody on Earth is listening to using now. Isn't that like the first MP3 player? Uh, Technically, kind of. Not really, but. Yeah, well. I dude, that shit snuck in under my fucking radar. I didn't, I didn't even know those things really existed until, um, until uh, the iPods were coming out. Came out until November fourteenth, two thousand six. So okay, after the iPhone, iPod. Okay, all right. Well, whatever. Um, that's funny though. <laughs> I guess uh, yeah, they 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 picked the Zoom. They didn't want to pick uh, Apple stuff, huh? Right. That makes sense. Well, you know, I mean, there is a connection to Apple and Disney and all this other stuff, but they were going for, they were going for the laugh. Yeah, no, that's funny. All right, uh, but yeah, the, the yeah, sound- he had a hundred twenty gigabyte model, so the hundred twenty gigabyte model is third generation. Okay. In case you assholes won't care. <laughs> you know what I a holes. I look. I know there's probably easier ways to do this and stuff like that. But the reason why I hate using um, I well fuck it my my uh, my Galaxy S five is a uh, you know is my is my iPod pretty much uh-huh. I put all my music on there um, I hate I have gotten to the point where I hate putting CDs onto my laptop and then having to go on my laptop and put them onto my phone because I also have to label them and name them and put them in the right fucking place and blah 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 and I fucking hate it because it's it's so monotonous and it takes. It takes a long time. It doesn't take as long as, say, when you were making your own mixtape or something, right? Back in the 80s. But it's still, it's fucking, I end up buying songs now because I'm tired of having to do all that other shit. Like, I haven't bought anything that I already own on CD. It's other stuff on top of that. that I, now I'm not going to go out to the stores and buy the CD. I'm just, you know, because I can go to Dimple Records and find anything, um, which is local. Anyone that listens far away in Timbuk fucking 2 or whatever. Yeah. But. <laughs> Jesus. $189. Was it still in the package? Like not opened? That's or? fucking stupid. Like anyone would buy that. Unless they I know that all You the, can still buy them. 
I know that all the Walkmans that um, Walkman. they had in this movie, um, they had to, uh, the production designer had to hand make them because um, there are none left. Um, they couldn't, they contacted Sony and Sony had no more left. Um, and Sony gave them permission to make their own because um, they couldn't find any more. Right. I guess they had already bought up other ones from the previous film and now they're just not floating around anymore. Which, whatever. That's it's just cool little stupid trivia. Um, $950 for a Zune 120 gigabit MP3 player. Yeah, suck Because it. it's Gears of War Special Edition. Yeah. Well, $950. Dude, I could picture myself being a, a, a huge fan of that. I'm not, but I could, I could picture myself being a huge fan of that and then going, dude, I really fucking want that, right? And then you buy it. And then you open it up, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, right? Dude, who and the then, fuck is going to pay $800 and, and then, for a Zoom? And then it's just like car buyers. The ether wears off and you're like, what the fuck did I just do? Why did I do? This doesn't do anything. This doesn't, It does, my life has not gotten better one fucking iota. And I just spent all this money because it's got an emblem of something on there that I really like. Why did I fucking do that? It's like I want to see the dude that's rolling around still in the Modern Warfare Three Jeep Wrangler. Okay, have you seen any of those? No. You know why? Because they probably already t- took it off. They peeled it off. The SanDisk Ultra Two Fifty Six USB Three Point Flash Drive, uh-huh. which has twice the amount of memory, is sixty dollars. Sixty dollars for two hundred fifty six gigabyte USB stick. Okay. The fucking Zune that you can buy brand new, yeah. which has half the half half the fucking you know storage space, yeah, seven hundred ninety nine dollars. He's just waiting for that one rich person that has to. No, have that's it. brand new, brand fucking new. Oh, it's not like uh, okay. I thought you were going like to back to two thousand six type. No, you can still fucking buy them. I'm just saying you can buy them brand new. For eight hundred fucking dollars. Oh well, still that's someone's personal. One. I mean, it's not one that was just made recently. Yes, but it's it is brand made new, uh, dude. What part of brand new? Well, don't you understand? Brand new could be fucking twelve years old if it's still in the packaging. It's brand, still brand new, new. Okay, there's so you're saying they're still making them. What company owns Zoom? Microsoft. So Microsoft, Microsoft is still making Zooms, and they're charging that much for them. Eight hundred dollars, brand new, made in the last year. Manufactured in the last year. That's what I'm trying to understand. Like, are they still condition new? Well, how long does something have to exist before you don't call it new anymore? A year, six months, two days. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I I just, it's like the the Rotten Tomatoes thing, right? How, dude, there, there. When I say fucking brand new, I don't mean refurbished. I don't mean refurbished either. I mean brand fucking new. New. (laughs) What fuck? Well, why do we have to fucking define? Why do I have to sit here and define what brand new means? Just like it sounds, a brand new, unused, unopened item in its original packaging with all original packaging materials, original protective wrapping, if any, is intact. Manufacturer's warranty, if any, still applies. So even if it was made twelve years ago and it has all that criteria, does it? You consider that new? Yes. Okay. I, I'm just. I wanted to understand. It's fucking brand new. I wanted to understand because I. I what I was trying to get you to convey to me was. Are they still manufacturing them to this day? Right now, are they making them now? Is Microsoft still making them? That's what I would thought. I thought no, you, they were discontinued in okay. 2012. Okay, because I thought that's what I wanted to understand. I thought you meant like they're still making them, 
and they're selling them for eight hundred dollars. Ones that they just made. Yeah, they're brand new, selling for eight hundred dollars. Well, they're they're fucking five years old. They're still brand new. It's brand new, but five years old. That, that's what I'm trying to say. So, but there's only one of them for eight hundred dollars. It doesn't matter. It's, okay. Look, new it, is new. It's still in the package. It's eight hundred dollars. The more I understand, the better off I can fucking make my criteria on it. All right. Because it's a collector's item now. If it's five years old and it's still brand new, it's a collector's item because they don't make them anymore. It's not a collector's item. Nobody's going to buy that piece of shit because it's got DRM on it. And it's fucking hilarious because only they're they're relying on some fucking rich asshole to buy that because no one in their right mind would fucking buy that. Someone who's got more money than they know what to do with is going to buy that shit. Yeah, there's a butt for every seat. Yeah. seventy nine ninety five. Buy it now. plug for every for ass in here. Yes. There's a butt plug for every ass. <laughs> Right. 32 gig for 70 bucks. 30 gig. 32. Dude, fuck all this shit, man. Just keep going. The reason why I brought I brought it up for a reason. All right. So $209 for a home 20. Whether people notice it or not, I mean, it's pretty fucking obvious to me, but some people might not. They just think of it as an entertaining movie. But this whole movie is about fathers and son. That's it. it this the everyone get their gets their own little piece here and there. But this movie is about Peter Quill's relationship with his fathers. Um, one that he didn't realize he had, and the one that he's been searching for his entire life. That's it. That's his movie. All right? And the whole the whole thing is, you know, I mean, you have the, look, you have the, the sovereign that, come, that are part of it. But for all intents and purposes, Chris Pratt's character is the main focus of this movie. Because... It's all about him. It's about the, that's why the movie starts off with you know his mother and his father. You know, not his daddy, but his father. Okay, uh, at the beginning of the movie, and you don't you don't see a Gamora beginning, do you? You don't see Gamora Gamora's parents with Thanos. They didn't even they didn't even fucking show Thanos. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's no Drax's past. There's no Rocket's past, and that's what I really hope that they'll eventually do something about. I would love to see something about Rocket's past. Because I think that could be interesting, um, and then well, yeah, I guess you don't really need to do a Groot's pass, right? Because he's just a fucking tree that follows people that he likes. Um, but yeah, this movie is Peter Quill's movie. And remember how um, how I complained a couple a year or two ago about how like Star Trek, it's never it never decides to you know go off onto these other characters at all. It's always the main focus. It's always Kirk and Spock, and then sometimes Uhura, right? Right. And then you're like, well, th- those other characters are always supposed to be tertiary background characters. And, well, this movie, th- this series for me is, if you want, these five people are supposed to be intense with each other because they all have these conflicting personalities. It's the dysfunctional family, right? But they're on a spaceship. It's a classic dysfunctional family. And th- I think that eventually you're going to have to give some more to other characters than just Peter fucking Quill, you know? I mean, he's already gotten to become a planet, part of a planet for a second, you know? He had had a Superman moment with Kurt Russell at the end, right? <laughs> or the Matrix Revolution ending. Right. And, um, you know, eventually you need to give some more to Gamora than just her sister trying to kill her. Or her, I'm sorry, her um, her surrogate sister or, you know, uh, adopted sister. Right. Um, her just trying to kill her. There, And also the same with Rocket. Rocket gets... You've seen in two movies now. Rocket gets upset when someone calls him a freak or something, or or a, a, var, a, a vermin, because he you know trash he, panda. He's got a problem. Yeah, he's got a problem with what happened to him in the past. He's got something really fucking deep about it. So they still haven't touched on it really. So 
uh, and then Drax. I mean, Drax has his family, and you know, he lost his daughter and his wife to uh, to Ronan the Accuser. But there's still there's just a quick mention of that. You know, when when he's talking to uh, to Mantis. You know, when they're sitting there and he's calling her ugly and shit. Well, how the fuck are you going to do all this? I would like someone to explain to me exactly how anybody can get anything done in the movies because we need to go in into depth. Make a cartoon. <laughs> they have a cartoon. I, I'm just, I'm fucking around. Uh, what I'm well, saying is, is that this movie. Let's visit every planet and just have a little bit of background on each information. No, you're going to an extreme. I'm I, doing that on purpose. Fucker. So. What I'm saying is there, there, there. Now there needs to be some time given to spread to the other characters as well, because if they're going to be just as important to the Guardians of the Galaxy group, then they need some more than just what they're getting. Uh, again, how much information did you know about Han Solo and Chewbacca over three movies? Do you want me to be honest with you about something? Yeah, I always feel a little okay. Uh, fucking Indiana Jones. <laughs> Damn, those are always in the moment, aren't they? Um, well, it's so well told. It's like doesn't fucking matter, right? Right, but we don't know shit about his dad or his mom. We don't know shit about Marcus Brody. Yeah, we know a little bit about fucking what's her name? Okay, okay, Karen Allen. But if you notice, though, they're not like in Indiana Jones. They don't delve deep into any anything, and he's the main guy. They don't delve anything into him, right? But with Guardians of the Galaxy, and yet. And wait, wait, wait. The Guardians of the Galaxy is set up the same exact way. Imagine that, where but, only the fucking main character is delved into. But even Indiana Jones, you said yourself, he's not... The only thing that they've even really done with him is had his dad come with him on one adventure. Okay? But we know he's a professor at, in Chicago. We know that he's a, he's a professor of archaeology in Chicago with a special interest in... in um, um, uh, Grail stuff. Yeah, Grail lore, biblical, biblical stuff, biblical archaeology. Yeah, right. Just like his dad, we know that. Marcus Brody, um, he's the university president. Uh-huh. Uh, Sala, a friend, a digger. Uh huh. Belloc, a rival archaeologist. Dead in one movie. Huh? Dead in one movie. No, yeah, dead. <laughs> Tote, again, he's just a German special agent. The dude that hired him, Porkins. In, in <laughs> yeah, Porkins. The dude that hired him in in the Last Crusade. Oh yeah, uh, Donovan. Yeah, who is he? Just some rich guy. Yeah, Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, but he's not part of the team. Doesn't matter. Just some rich guy, Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> Elsa. Who's Elsa? She's a double agent. Yeah, or a backstabbing bitch. However you want to say. And it. only smokes when she's with Nazis. <laughs> Did point, you notice that? But my, my she point didn't smoke at all in that movie until who cares? she got in the Nazi's car. My point being is we don't know shit about any of these characters. The only person that we knew like in Star Wars, Luke and Leia. We don't know shit about Darth Vader, where he came from until later. We don't know shit about Han Solo or Chewbacca or, or, Dude, or anybody. Star Wars, man. I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because the main character, I mean, this is completely parallel. The main character is the only person that matters. Luke Skywalker, Peter Quill, fucking completely interchangeable. Uh-huh. <laughs> or Indiana Jones. Name another trilogy of movies that has been like Star Wars, and I'll fucking talk about that. All right. 
That's but because because these are so closely linked together, anyways. But that's what the point I'm trying to make is. Uh, look, I, I know from the get go, from the get go, this has been purposely made so that Peter Quill is the main focus, and and, and, and you know what, that's fine. But here, okay, I'll, I'll then let they me. They could have made anybody the main focus. Let me elaborate this on this then. This movie is oh is is another one of those kind of films, those sequels where it's just like with Star Trek lately, is where. It's so focused on the event at hand that there's no time to chill with these guys at all, and 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 get more into you know. I'm into, sorry, into their I, I, dynamic. that's bullshit. That's every, how I fucking feel. Every it, fucking movie that has ever been released in the history of fucking movies uh-huh. has one main character that they focus on, not a fucking billion characters. The other characters are just sidekicks or whatever. Wait a minute, this movie also focused on Yondu. Yeah. On the ice planet where he's at the fucking, he's at the hooker plate, the robot hooker plate. Yeah, but it doesn't, you have to cut away. Look, that's like Lando Calrissian or fucking the bad guy in Jurassic Park. Every time they showed Lando, he was always dealing with My fucking point being is, and and you bring this up a lot in all, in a lot of movies is the background of characters, history of characters, the background of characters. Do you notice every fucking thing that I brought up tonight, you try to do, you've done a fucking con to? Yes, I'm doing a con, but- to this one, I'm really doing a con. This is fucking way more important. Every fucking movie that has been marginally good to great, okay, mm-hmm. depending... The Godfather. Perfect example, The Godfather. Who do they focus on? Michael. Al Pacino's character, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else. We get a little bit of information on who Marlon Brando's character is because he's the father, yeah. right? He's the daddy. And James Caan... James Caan was briefly in the movie until he gets gunned down. Yeah. Right? But if you look at all the way the all the characters that are in Godfather, the only one that they focus on and give any kind of story to is Al Pacino's character. The other ones get minor pieces of story, but they're not important to the overall story. I mean, they're important, but they're not they're not Michael important. Okay? Because it's not their story. It's his story. Star Wars is not Luke's story. It's Anakin's story. It's Darth Vader's story. Okay? Luke is just one minor part of it because there's a bigger bigger story anyways. But that, that's what I'm trying to find. Indiana Jones is about Indiana Jones. Jurassic Park isn't about Jeff Goldblum or Sam Neill or Laura Dern's character. It's about the dinosaurs, right? Mm. Terminator. That's not fucking... That's not Arnold Schwarzenegger's story, right? Yeah. But it's... Well, it's Linda Hamilton's it's character. It's Sarah and John. Yeah, but depending it's, on which movie you're in. But it's Sarah. It's Sarah Connor's story, okay? Because John doesn't really affect the story in any way, shape, or form when they're in the present, mm. and minor in the future apparently, because no one knows how to fucking tell the story properly. That is the important stuff. That's what Peter Quill is. Peter Quill is the main the main driving force of this whole story. They could have had Gamora. They could have had Drax. They could have had Rocket. But it doesn't make an interesting story when you have a guy that comes from Earth and ends up being the hero of a galaxy with a bunch of a-holes, right, that he's just kind of cobbled together. Would it be nice to know about more of their backgrounds? Kind of. But it can get in the way of the overall story. Because if you give too much... People get pissed. But if you give too little, if you have too many options, we'll take it to the next level, which is when you call your cable company 
and your cable company wants to bundle you your fucking internet, your fucking phone, you know, your your TV and anything else that connects you or whatever else. Mm-hmm. They want to control it all, right? But they don't give you all these options. They don't give you a la carte TV. You know why? Too many options. Yeah. Why is that? Because they've determined that people are stupid. Okay? That you're too stupid to figure out on your own what you want to watch. So that has trickled down to everything else. Movies, music, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? So they bundle it all together. Now you have a package. And now you don't have to think. You just get this package. And we'll charge you whatever we want to charge you because you're going to fucking pay for it anyways. Right? And people are people are coming out of this cocoon. They've been in this cocoon for 60 years and going, fuck you. I don't need your fucking phone service. I've got a cell phone right here. And I can go monthly contract on that from any other provider. So Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, they're not going to die. But more people are moving from those those services to Metro or Talk or whatever because they can do monthly and it costs them 40 bucks. Yeah. So they spend 200 bucks on a phone, 40 bucks, they're done. Not 100, not 150 or buy five phones and pay $45 a phone. Yeah. That's fucking insane. That's $250 a month. Fuck you. That's not saving anything. So they bundle it all together. Just like in the movies, they bundle it all together. Instead of making a movie for Peter and a movie for Drax and a movie for this and a movie for that, they throw it all together and then they kind of jumble it all and say, he's the main character, this is what we're focusing on. Okay? So all of that being what it is, by giving too much of the story for, because we know that Gamora, Gamora's story is more important than everybody else, so she's the next in line. Drax, he just wants to kill Thanos. Because Thanos killed his parent, his, his Thanos is ultimately responsible for killing his wife and child and planet and whatever else. Rocket, we don't know anything about. And Groot, we don't know anything about. I would rather know about Rocket and Groot because their story sounds more important in the whole scheme of things than Gamora and Karen Gillan's character. Who Nebula. Can, thank you. Nebula, Mantis, we know Mantis' story. And Drax. Because we don't know shit about Rocket other than he was a science experiment. Mm. Okay. Yeah, he said he was taking apart again and again. Yeah. So taking apart and putting back together. Who takes people apart? Well, we know one because he was doing that to his daughter yeah. and replacing her with electronic components, right? Yeah, Thanos. So they're all connected. It's all connected. But <clears throat> it doesn't make for an interesting story when you muddy the waters. It just makes for mud. So you can't have all this stuff. So you have to take a little bit here and there and then focus on one person. That's it. You do remember at the beginning of this uh, episode I said that I have little problems with the movie, right? Yeah. Okay. That was one of your problems with the movie. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to get you away from the same shit that we keep talking about, which is there's not enough background on these minor characters or some of these distracted characters or... Some, you know, some of the second tier characters. Nobody, until they can make a movie that works like that, we're not going to get anything. Wouldn't that be cool if you could have a next generation of film where you can instantly, if you want it, you can have 
anything you want on, on any character in a movie immediately as you're watching the movie. How are you going to do that? That's that's what the brainiacs are for. Yeah, you, you can't you, you can't just build something instantly to have have that. You have to have a writer sit down and write it. Well, what I'm and look, go from there. Look, the internet it would have been an um, an impossible conception back in say the 40s or the 50s. No, it wasn't because it was actually happening, just not in its current form. They still had computers talking to each other. Yeah, but not a whole thing where you interactive shit. Yep, absolutely. They had networking way back then. How do you think that they got computers to talk to each other and send faxes? Talking about, oh, God damn it, Mike. Get- I'm telling you, dude, that's how it works. Teletypes and everything else. All right, fine. During the time of H.G. fucking Wells, how about that? Same difference. Where, where they just had the fucking uh, phonograph or right. whatever. The, the Morse code. Yeah. I know what you're talking Telegraph. Ta- telegraph. The same difference. Yeah, you, you couldn't even, the, 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 the concept of, of internet would be completely impossible to, to, to think of. That's why when you see like old, like, you know, you see like stuff in the 50s where their their vision of what the future is. And now it's nothing like that. It would not be anything like that because they couldn't, couldn't conceive of it. Well, no, that's because, not true. Because if you look, if you watch movies like Escape from New York the, and it's set like close to now. Fucking Gene Roddenberry called it on almost 90 percent of what's going on right now. Certain thing, Yeah. Yes. A lot of things. Way before he even invented Star Trek. And then you have all the sci-fi writers that came up with all of this shit way before, even even calling the names properly, cellular phones, rocket ships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All this stuff came from someone that invented it in their mind when they were writing it on paper. But that's besides the point. You, you know, I mean, yeah, there are people that can actually that actually have and did that, but we're not talking about that. I think it would be a great idea, but you have to have someone actually write the story mm. in order for that to happen. What would be great is if you could digitally take a character, boop, write a story, literally just type fucking words, and as you're typing, they speak the words. Uh, right? Yeah. And then and and then you can manipulate their actions. Hey, do this, do that, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Okay? And then you can build a story around that. And then when you type like... You know, in a far distant gal- corner of the galaxy, and it goes to the far distant corner of the galaxy, and you start typing, right? A big old planet with a with a smiley face and a penis, and a big old planet with a smiley face and a penis is dangling there, right? And then it just starts to talk to you, right? Hi, I'm Joe Bob Boba, right? And then you just keep going like that. Yeah. And then, oh, it's got a satellite moon, and it's got this, and all of a sudden... You're like, oh, now it's got an advanced technology and everybody's living off the penis, okay? Great. Now it's Florida. Wonderful. You go from there. That would be fucking fantastic if you could write write something and then have it on the screen as people are doing the whole thing. There was a big gunfight. Kapow, kapow, kapow. You can see what they're doing and then rolling left and right and everything else. You know what one of the the downsides of how well um, TV shows are written nowadays? Not all of them. Certain ones more than others, but how episodic television has gotten better, right? For the most part, um, is you can take the concept of, of what could be a big budget extravaganza movie, right? Mm-hmm. And you instead you do it on a TV show, like say with Lost or or you break it Breaking down. Bad or something, right? Yeah, and and because you have this week to week good writing and 
and they know when to when, how far to go with it and when to stop. And, yeah, Game of Thrones yeah. or whatever. And Daredevil is a perfect example. You have all this more time to get into these people, and then you go back to movies. And right. movies are supposed to be the end all, be all. You know the way the way we're told. So when you see this, it's like I want more of these people. I want you know I. Because you have to cram all this into two hours or so of running time, yeah, and it becomes extremely difficult. That's that's like one of the biggest problems with zombie movies is they usually give you eighty five minutes before end credits um, to to connect you to these characters and then go through all this hell and then it's over with. Right. That's why they just usually focus on one character. Yeah. I, so, I, look, I, I want to see more of uh, like okay, I, I had a problem with uh, Gamora's character to a point in this movie. It seemed like she was only there. To be someone for Nebula to try to fucking kill for one part, right? And then the other part there for for Chris Pratt to distract himself with being horny for a second while before he's talking to his dad again, right? And I'm having a problem with that because Gamora is more than that. Yeah, <laughs> give me Gamora, <laughs> you know. Um, and so yeah, but but they still used her for for other parts really well. I mean, she got her, she has her own times. I mean, you could they could do this. They could literally put together a rock like they do the Rocket and Groot miniseries. Yeah. They can do that for every character that they have that is not the main characters in the movies. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's take out all of the Avengers and Peter Quill, even though I mean they're going to be important. And do these shorts. Mm-hmm. Throw them on fucking YouTube and give us hey, these animated th- shorts. We haven't seen the Marvel one shots for like three or four years now, right? Because they, they they started to not focus on those as much, and then and then they started just focusing more on the movies. Which I I, I wish that they would go back to doing the Marvel one shots because that also you could do little that can connect things better. You know, like how Shield is, used to connect a bunch of shit, and now it just seems like Shield's going off on its own Inhumans thing. You know, that's what that's what Shield is becoming now. It's becoming it's, it's becoming you know it's dealing with the remnants of Hydra, and and just leading to Inhumans. Not well, but it still connects to all the major events that are happening in the Marvel universe. Like so, if you watch, and, I was, and I'm glad you brought up the Shield thing because I was going to bring that up as well. If you watch prior to the events of Doctor Strange. The whole shield thing that was going on, they were looking for a book, and the only person that could actually read the book was one of the guys f- that were associated with Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Well, technically, they were referring to Doctor Strange, and now they've built a new android. Yeah, right. So they're going with Ultron Phase Two. Yeah, and now I haven't watched since that thing started, where they where they built the female robot. Okay, I haven't watched Agents of Shield because it hasn't inter- interested me. I don't care about Ada. Yeah, her name's Ada. I haven't. I don't care about watching Ada Ultron two. Yeah, I want to know more about. I mean, they only did a half a season with the Ghost Rider. Yeah, if that. And then whatever the fuck happened with that gone. And now, I think. Well, hold on. Let me. There's a reason for it because Joss Whedon is now working with DC. It's funny that you just brought this up too, like at the timing of it, because. Um, Ever since uh, Ghost Rider's character disappeared on the show, um, they've done the uh, Ada's version of the Matrix, right? Where all the agents' main characters are in the this ma- created world where now Hydra runs shit, right? And Shield is the bad guy. Um, it just ended. They're, they finally just got out of it, and then you know what the episode ends with? Was it the Fitzsimmons trying to kill 
or Fitz trying to kill Simmons or no, no, they already dealt with that. No, the episode ends with a portal being opened, and guess who comes through it? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Ghost Rider. Oh, so now Ghost Rider's back. Okay, and I think there's like three or four episodes left of the so, season. So they basically just jumped forward and brought Ghost Rider back. Yeah, like um, because the the book is still there, and um, there's all these robot clones. Of this Russian dude on a fucking submarine or something, like, dude, I don't even pay. I, I'm, I'm doing I, other shit while I'm watching it. I, I, I don't even pay attention to what's going on with the Marvel universe anymore with Marvel's Agents of Shield. Yeah, I just because it's gone from good to really good to this. Yeah, and then this is this is a cheap shit. I'm talking about when the quality starts to drop mm-hmm. because either you're running out of story. Or your story writers have no fucking clue what they're doing. It, I wanted to watch the Ghost Rider thing. And when they fucking introduced the new Ghost Rider, yeah. <clears throat> I was in. Yeah, I watched all those episodes. And then when he went away, I was out. <laughs> because I have no interest in Ada. I have no interest in that character Ada. Yeah. It, she doesn't interest me because it's Ultron. Yeah. Like I've already said a hundred times. But again- We've already done that And story I keep arc. watching another episode, another episode, just so I can get that connection to the cinematic universe. Right. And, and, and I'm usually not getting that satisfaction. And I want them to move forward like they were doing in the early seasons, which is connecting those fucking shows to the movies. Yeah. You know, so all the events that happened after Captain America destroys S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is now the bad guy. And then- they missed a huge opportunity with Doctor Strange when they when when they were going to do Doctor Strange when when the movie came out yeah and then they ended the series for that or they they went on break or whatever the fuck they did but they didn't they didn't do anything with the Doctor Strange stuff but prior to that it was always about what's going on in between the movies and they've gotten completely away from that and that's why I've stopped watching I just I don't. I don't care. Yeah, I, it, I. If they get back to it, I'll start watching. Look, again. there's certain shows that I don't do shit while I'm watching them. I mean, I'll, I'll eat while I'm watching certain f- shows. Why don't oh, they? I'll, I'll eat while I'm watching anything. But but then, you know, this is a fat guy life. But it, it's. <laughs> but there's certain shows where I could just have it on while I'm doing shit, and I on in uh, Arrow. I'll, I I still watch Arrow, but I, I'll do shit while I'm watching Arrow. I'm, not, I'm because, done with that fucking because show because there's nothing that grabs me with that show anymore. It's the same shit every fucking week. Um, Agents of Shield's the same way. Agents of Shield is just a little bit better than Arrow, but nothing to write home about. If, if a show can't make me have to sit down, like with Walking Dead, I have to sit the fuck down and watch it. <laughs> I have an idea. Um, Fargo, I have to sit down and watch it. Okay. Um, uh, better Call Saul. I'm sitting down. I'm watching the whole fucking episode. Right. I'm not getting up to do anything. Um, Dude, but- Fargo and Better Call Saul are so above and beyond great. It's sick. Yeah. You could watch, and all it is is like there is a moment in Better Call Saul where Mike went to his daughter's house. Yeah. And he's just watching TV, and he's internalizing whatever he's internalizing. Yeah. No fucking dialogue. His granddaughter's with him. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there watching TV. And you can see that there's things going on in his head. Yeah. For 10 fucking minutes, mm-hmm. she brings out ice cream. Is everything okay? Yeah. Uh, How's things going with you? Yeah. But it was compelling. Yeah. Compelling fucking storytelling. Mm-hmm. Just like with Fargo, just like with Legion. Here's an idea. 
do that. Call it Marvel's Galaxy. <laughs> the Marvel, no, not even that. Marvel Universe, where it's all these stories in between. You could fucking tell the Howard the Duck story. Uh-huh. You could tell what's going on between Guardians of the Galaxy and fucking Infinity Wars and all this other shit. Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can even include all that shit in there. Uh-huh. You just call it Marvel's Universe. And it's different stories. You can do Silver Surfer. You can do all these characters. You can do all the stuff that you wouldn't put a bunch of $100 million into to make a, f- a feature-length movie. Exactly. Instead, you could do, you know, and there's so much shit. Holy shit. Because, dude, Stan Lee didn't write it all. So there's still plenty of other shit that he doesn't have his name on. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> But they don't. Um, but, I mean, look, it's hard to complain because, I mean, there's still so much shit that they are doing. I mean, look, look at Legion. You know, No one ever thought they'd make Legion, right? You know, or, or whatever. Yeah, that's, a, that's a Fox thing. You know, it, it, you've got, uh, and then you've got the, the, the Netflix shows, which are owned by Disney as well. You know, there's Marvel Studios. Right. So, and Disney, I, I, I heard Disney owns Netflix now. Or, just, or no, it's YouTube. Is it? Uh, no, Disney doesn't own fucking YouTube. Google owns YouTube. Didn't Disney buy into Netflix? I don't know. Maybe. Um, all right. Anyway. I got to look it up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going long on this anyways. All right. Uh, the, okay. Regardless of how I feel about all these characters um, getting enough time or not, the main the main thing is about... it. It's made to look like it's about Peter Quill and Ego. Yeah, there's a rumor that there's a Netflix acquisition by Disney. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, but by the time you get to the end of this movie, and look, the movie's already hinting at it by the beginning of the film when you, when it shows Yondu run, and he and his him and his Ravagers run into Sylvester Stallone and his Ravagers. You know, there's a reason at the beginning of that movie where Stallone, they have Stallone tell him, you know, uh, we don't deal in kids, right? Right, and then you know, I'm like, what the fuck's he talking about, right? You know, and and at first I thought he was just pissing him for kidnapping, you know, Peter, right? And I'm like, well, it's got to be more than that. But you don't know. But that sets it up from the beginning that that there's something about Yondu that's more important in this movie than in the last one. And by the by the time you get to the end of the film, you 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 fully realize that this movie is about Yondu pretty almost as much as it is about Peter. Right. And and it, what's cool is also it's the less is more thing. I think that it's just like with Snape. Okay. The, I think the impact of Snape being be actually caring for Harry Potter the whole fucking time and you not really knowing it until near the end is more effective that way than it is if you actually showed it a couple of movies beforehand. Right. You know, it fucking hits you hard. Um, you know, with Deathly Hallows Part 2, that really hits you with the whole always scene, you know. Um, this one is the same thing. I think that if you if you had made this whole movie about showing the past with Yondu and and Peter, it, it when you, by the time you got to the end, uh, and then you had that scene, that scene in space, it wouldn't have had that impact. No, it wouldn't have. It, it, the, I mean, the whole he said it himself during the funeral is that, or or someone that was there the whole time and you didn't realize that they were there. Right. You know, and then boom, that it was it was great. It was absolutely great. Um, you know, it sucks that you know we're not gonna probably not going to have Yondu in a future film for the most part. You know, like I said, maybe a flashback for the beginning of the movie or whatever, the intro, but good way to go out. Yeah. I mean, shit, it was fucking great. You know, it not a dry eye in the house, (laughs) you know? Um, And 
look, I know that we've been, you know, we've been doing this for two hours. We've got a couple other things we need to talk about. So, look, everyone's already probably seen this movie. You know what we liked. Um, my favorite character in the movie, though, um, hands down. Well, I do have a little bit of a pleasure for Craglin, you know, Sean Gunn's character. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, is it Sean Gunn? Yeah. Yes, his brother. Yeah. Um, because there's something, I, I liked him in the first movie. If you remember, there was a delete, uh, 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 outtake used for that scene where, where Yondu was talking to the, to that, that guy about the, you know, the, the orb and he's all, bully, 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 bully. if you look at the background, fucking Sean Gunn is busting his, busting up laughing. Right. Um, and that's part of the, the, the outtakes of the movie. I, I just like his character. Cause you could tell he's like a fun dude. And, and in this movie, he gets a lot more time. And then the, the payoff with it is at the end when he's trying to use Yondu's um, fucking stick, you know, with the stick of destiny or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But, um, and, and, the, and it impales, uh, it impales Drax, right? And then that, that scream, that scream that is like the funniest thing in the entire movie was that scream. And it was perfectly timed as well because you had the, like I said, the whole last 15 minutes in the movie was a sad part, right? You had the death of Yondu, you know, the sacrifice and then the funeral, the, the whole Ravager funeral thing. And, uh, and then what do you do? You end the movie and you're like, God, that's kind of a downer, you know, the way they ended it, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it kicks in and it starts showing the first of those five after post credit scenes. And it has Craglin, you know, using that and it fucking does that. And it, everyone started busting up in the theater. It was great. Right. It totally just switched everything. And so then it didn't feel like as much of a downer when you're, you know, walking out of the movie theater. Um, but my favorite character besides Craglin, because I like I liked the fact that he had more in the movie, was Drax. The whole movie, Drax was like he was the funny condescending asshole, like the unintentional. He's not intentionally trying to be rude to people. That's just how he is. Right. In the first movie, he, that's just, you're, you're getting introduced to him and it's funny because he's getting hit with all the sarcasm that he's never heard before. In this movie, he's been around it for like six months or something now. Right. So he, he acts a little bit differently about it. And, and it, the whole movie is like him on just like a, like a, a caffeinated version of, uh, of Drax from the first movie where he's constantly talking shit and, and all this stupid shit's happening around him and his laugh, his laugh is so goddamn infectious. Every time he laughs about something, you can't help but laugh yourself. And that that's great. It's great that they're able to utilize someone like, um, Dave Batista, who, um, from what I've heard, you know, a lot of people had a difficulty with his acting when he was first trying to, you know, you know, be in movies and stuff. And, uh, you know, for him to be like and be just such a, a huge popular character now, as Drax is awesome. You know, it is great. He he's he's completely sold me on this character, and you know, I, props. My favorite character in the movie, hands down. Okay, cool. All right, uh, who was your favorite character in the movie? I'm not vamping for time. We're talking about the movie. I don't know. I know you want to end this, so fuck it. All right. No, I, I just honestly I don't know. I, I I like Yondu. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um. I you know what, and it kind of gave you the clue at the end of the movie, of the first movie. Actually, you know what, uh, Ego. You like uh, Kurt Russell? Yeah, Kurt okay. Russell was really good in this movie. He wasn't bad. I, I love the whole football energy thing, throwing back and forth. Yeah, father and son. Um, the part where he's like explaining the words to Brandy. You know about like how his life is, how uh -huh. he's like the song, and um, yeah. Look, I I never I never dislike Kurt Russell, even in the movie. So you know, what? I didn't like him in the movie Soldier. 
Because you know why? Because he had no fucking dialogue in it. That's why. <laughs> you know, that's one of the first. De- that's the first DVD I ever bought when I bought my first DVD player back in 1998. Was Soldier, and I fucking hated it so much I took it back and got American History X. Good. <laughs> that's a little Joe personalized trivia for you. There you go. Uh, all right, we could talk to this about this movie, and uh, there's way more shit we could talk about this movie, but. Just go see Guardians again. If you like the first one, this movie is a, is a, just even like a just an amped up sequel, and it's a good amped up sequel. It's not like a Michael Bay or Fast, you know, Fate of the Furious type shit where it's just trying to one up it. It's just actually more funny. All right, um, I gave the movie, I believe, an eight point five out of ten. Hmm. I gave it an eight. Okay, um, and that's a that's a high fucking rating, man. It so, is. Uh, the movie, I believe, currently has a an 82% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, what did we give it? I don't know. I was trying to lead you into it, man. <laughs> you looking at photos and shit. All right, so I gave it a 96, and you gave it an 88. Yep. Um, okay, well, you know what? I mean, when it first uh, came out, I think it was at like a 92 or something. So um, people's complaints about the movie... Uh, I, I understand them a little bit, but except for this one guy from the New York Post, his 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 negative review of the movie was fucking asinine. But he used a lot of big words, Mike, big yes. words. So that means that he's his his opinion is valid. Big words, <laughs> ten cent words. Of course, what if I did agree with him, and then I I wouldn't be saying that. I wouldn't be you know talking shit. So anyway, so whatever. He didn't like the movie, not for him. Um, but we did like the movie. So um. This I picked this movie this next for my flick of the week. I picked uh, a monster calls for a specific reason. Um, just like how uh, Guardians Galaxy Volume Two had that that sentimental scene at the end with Yondu and Peter Quill, um, this movie A Monster Calls also was able to grab me by my. Um, <laughs> that didn't sound right, does it? Uh, a Monster Calls grabbed my um, my emotional heartstrings. Okay. okay. Uh, but this one's different. Um, okay. A Monster Calls came out at the near the end of last year, 2016. Uh, the movie currently has an 87% approval rating. Uh, it stars a young actor named Lewis uh, McDonnell, who plays a character named Connor. The whole movie is about this kid, Connor. Okay. Uh, his mother, Felicity Jones, from Rogue One, um, she plays his mom, and she's dying from an unspecified... Um, illness like but it's probably it's cancer because she's going for treatments constantly so um, she's in the middle of dying um, his father who now lives in the states that comes to visit is played by Toby Kebbell we've mm-hmm. seen him in a bunch of stuff and uh, his grandmother is played by Sigourney Weaver and she has a British accent in the movie and from what reading about it she had no problem doing a British accent and she sells it perfectly well because her mother was English so um, she grew up with the accent so it's it's like a second you know accent to her anyway um, this whole movie is about, and the, 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 there's a failure. There is a failure in the advertising and the marketing for this film. This film should have been bigger than the BFG. It should have been, it should have been, um, mentioned during Oscar time. It sh- oh yes. Uh, we should have Liam Neeson. Yeah. And it was in and out of theater. Yeah. Okay. Liam Neeson does the voice and motion capture except for one day. Tom Holland, who plays the new Spider-Man, did the motion capture for one day when uh, when uh, Liam Neeson couldn't be there, which is weird. I wonder why Tom Holland's the one that does it because I don't think they're the same height. But whatever. 
Liam Neeson does the voice and motion capture for a character called the monster, which is this giant tree. And there's this tree that's <clears throat> in the real world. There's this huge um, tree that's in the middle of a cemetery that's way in the background that this the kid Connor can see through his bedroom window. All right. <clears throat> well, while he is dealing with the 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 reality that his mother is dying from from cancer or whatever it is. Um, and the stress of being bullied at school and his grandmother coming over, Sigourney Weaver, um, and she's very, um, not, I don't want to say rebellious, but she's very stuck in her ways, kind of like him. She's very much like her grandson. And they're butting heads with each other because she wants him to leave the room when she's giving the mother treatments and stuff like that. And this whole movie is about Connor dealing with the fact that his mother is going to die. And so he starts having these these dreams or nightmares, if you will, um, when he sleeps at night. And it's where the tree comes in and just starts destroying the house and and threatening him and, and then wanting to talk and then talking to him. And then it pretty much comes to where it's going to be the um, the monster says, I'm going to tell you three tales over you know different periods of time. You know, like not I'm not going to tell you all three tales in one night. I'm going to tell you three tales, young Connor. And when I get to the end of this, um, you're going to tell me your story. All right. And you, I, anyone who knows about what this movie, in the direction this movie's going, knows what that fourth story is going to be, what that story that Connor's going to have to tell is going to be. It's going to have to be something about him de- dealing with the, his mother. Um, but the lead up to it is so well done. Um, it is every time the monster. Every time, well, every time there's more something more traumatic is happening in, in Connor's life, and he has the nightmare again, where the tree comes and visits him, and it tells him a tale. Each tale is t- told in this watercolor animated way, and it's and they show you in the in the special effects on the DVD that it's it's CG, but it fucking doesn't look like CG when you're watching it. It looks like hand drawn uh, watercolor type animation. It's fucking to me. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, the last. 20 25 minutes of this movie I had a fucking tissue box with me dude it was it's all about him accepting his mother dying and about him um, forgiving himself for wanting it to end and all this stuff like that all the things that people who are that 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 are that know they're gonna lose someone and the just the impossibility of it um, how impossible it feels you know, at, the, at the moment you're dealing with it right mm-hmm. Um that's what this movie is. It becomes very intimate in that way. And it fucking totally grabbed me. And the visual effects with it. Uh, this movie had a $40 million budget. And it looks like a $100 million budget. Okay. Uh, there are some scenes where when he's when he truly has to come to face um, with what's going on. And the monster's trying to drill it into him to, to finally accept it. Um, there's these visual effects scenes where, like, like, say when the cemetery is falling apart all around him and stuff. It is, it's just absolutely amazing. Um, I highly recommend a monster calls, uh, especially for anyone that has had to go go through with the loss of someone. Um, I picked this movie this week because of my grandmother, um, because I was told I totally felt this movie when I was watching it, and um, it just it it's in a way it's very sad, but it's also very comforting at the same time. Um, I and it still blows my mind that this was not up for any kind of Oscars at all. Whether it comes um, because it's based on a book, um, the fact that it wasn't, uh, you know, not even for adapted screenplay, you know, from from the from the book that it was based off of. But anyway, regardless, 
not not every look, Raging Bull didn't win Best Picture, did it? Nope. Okay, but yeah, it's regarded over whatever it lost. I think it lost it on Golden Pond or some shit. Um, you know what? A true movie, a really a great movie, will over time show itself no matter what hmm. because enough eventually enough people are going to see it and they're going to talk about it and then it will it will come back up. So a Monster Calls is going to be one of those movies. It, it is so well done. Uh, it's very intense emotionally that I don't think it's for little kids and I think that's how they they tried to market it wrong and try to make it look like almost like a kids movie in a way. When they when they did the trailers for it, and it's not. It's very very emotionally intense and and strong. And it's very scary with the monster when he's breaking shit all around him and stuff. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I highly recommended it. Uh, Redbox had it when I got it, um, but I, I rarely see it in there when all the times I've gone to Redbox. So uh, if you're lucky enough to find it, otherwise stream it or something. But definitely see a monster calls. Hmm. All right. Okay. Let's go in the opposite direction. <laughs> That's Dewey. There's a movie on HBO called Dragon Blade starring uh, Jackie Chan and John Cusack. Uh. And basically it's this, this it's it's about <clears throat> a group of soldiers that uh, are called the Silk Road Protection Squad. And they're committed towards stopping battles and promoting the idea of peace. Jackie Chan plays the captain, Juan, um, who successfully averts a battle between the Indians and the Huns as the group returns to their home city. Uh, the government uncovers evidence that someone in the group is corrupt, causing the entire group to be sentenced um, to rebuilding what's called the wild geese gate, which is a ruined fortress. Uh, once they arrive, uh, they start constructing but it's going slow. And then they start rebuilding the whole city. But it's going slow because they just don't have the uh, the technology to really rebuild it. So not long after that they arrive, the gate is threatened by a legion from the Roman Empire in need of water and supplies. And it's they're they're led by um, this guy named Lucius, who's played by John John Cusack. He's a Roman general. He agrees to not assault the city in return for being led inside to give his to give his men shelter, food, and water. So when they're led inside, the Legion sees what's going on, uses its superior engineering skills to help speed up the construction of the work, which helps the morale and the happiness of the Chinese inhabitants who are divided among several different races, uh, Chinese, uh, Uyghur, and Turk, which or Turks, or Turkic, I should say. Um, Jackie Chan helps the Legion by sending men to assist Lucius Envoy in reaching the Parthian Empire. Um, while that's going on, they have a celebration, you know, fighting games and all this other stuff. So um, it's at this time that Cusack's character reveals that he and the little boy that he showed up with, along with his troops, are fleeing from, well, the little boy's name is uh, Publius. He's, they're, they're, they're fleeing his from Publius's brother Tiberius, who was a corrupt soldier who murdered their father and blinded his brother. Publius. Publius. So uh, Tiberius approaches the what the, uh, the the wild geese gate with his one hundred thousand soldiers. Here's the problem with the whole fucking movie. <laughs> First and foremost, the Chinese are relying on the Roman soldiers and their advanced engineering to help rebuild this entire city. That's fine. The visuals are amazing. 
Adrian Brody's in the movie. John Cusack is in the movie. Jackie Chan is in the movie. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> One of these things is named John Cusack. Yeah. John Cusack is not a historical nor an action type actor. Yeah. And that's why they hired him. But the problem is, is that it doesn't work. This is not, uh, I was going to say point break, but it's not point break. This is not uh, gross point blank. Uh-huh. Where he's really good in that. Yeah. And that is an action movie, but limited. Yeah. This is a fucking Jackie Chan action movie. Yeah. Where he's flipping and flopping and, you know, karate chopping everybody. Should have brought back Owen Wilson. Yeah, no shit. Well, Adrian Brody shows up and he's this crazy fucking military commander. Okay. Right? But reserved crazy. I want it now type of thing. <laughs> okay. Overacting to the extreme. Okay. John Cusack. So Talbot. <laughs> yeah. John Cusack underacting to the extreme. Okay. You know? And it doesn't fucking work. Jackie Chan was amazing in the movie. He's really good. Yeah. But at the end of the movie, you have all these soldiers, th- these Roman soldiers show up. They capture John Cusack's character, torture him, and kill him. He ends up dying. Right? But- it is so fucking bad the way it was acted mm-hmm. that it's if you turn off the movie at that point in time, you're better off. Okay. It it's it his death scene is fucking terrible. The the whole setup to the death scene is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And then then you have Jackie Chan who has to muster all of the soldiers that are being assaulted by these one hundred thousand soldiers. <coughs> And at the break out of the wild geese gate, while while they're being assaulted, okay, okay, fine, believable. And then, and then, and then they break out, and they're on this hill, and there's there's a handful of these soldiers with Jackie Chan left, yeah. And on the rise in this bowl of an area, there's the Huns, the Turks, the Indians. And one other, which is Jackie Chan's, they're Chinese, but they're it's Jackie Chan's sister or whoever she is, right? Yeah. Millions of soldiers. They come down and they attack and there's this big battle sequence and they're, the, the, the arriving soldiers are winning and you, oh, happy, happy, joy, joy, right? Yeah. No. The 100,000 soldiers that they have for the run, the Romans are fucking badasses, don't get me wrong, but the 100,000 soldiers destroy four platoons of army men. Bullshit. Complete and utter bullshit. Mm. They tried to make this so, you know, 300 that it's not even funny. Yeah. It would have worked better if there weren't four different armies coming at them from different sides, and not only did you not have your full regiment because 30% of them had been dead Mm. when they assaulted the city, that... You only have like, you know, 70, 80,000 at the most. And you have people on horseback coming at you who have the height advantage. I don't care how good you are. When there are four fucking armies coming after you, <coughs> I guarantee you the Chinese had more than 100,000 people there. Probably two to one. And you're telling me that you're fucking in this movie that these Roman soldiers defeated just that one? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then 
of course, you have to have the one-on-one battle between Jackie Chan's character and Adrian Brody's character. Yeah. Jackie Chan's character is injured, you know. Oh, so he doesn't even get to fight at full capacity. Right. <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and then luck be with him tonight, and he kills Adrian Brody's character. Yeah. I turned the movie off. Did you? Right at that point. Because it was at it, it was at this point where Tiberius' soldiers lose their will to fight. Oh. Like, come on. Why didn't you just turn on him as one fucking it's like, dude? It's like when Corbin Dallas killed the, the the leader of the Mangalores. Yeah. And they all just dropped their weapons. Yeah. Huh? I don't know what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you just turn on him? Most of them would have and stabbed him right in the fucking head. Because mm-hmm. Romans don't put up with that shit. Yeah. But in this movie, apparently they do. <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> At the end of the movie, which I didn't see, it cuts to a modern day team of Asian American archaeologists who stumble upon this site which had disappeared, this big battle site. Yeah. And this and this city. It's like Chinese Gideon. And uncover the dual Chinese and Latin in- inscriptions. Yeah. And that's where it all comes from. This is a three. Yeah, okay. If that it, it's not a good movie. Me hearing that John Cusack is put in here makes me think it's a a comedy. That's my first thought. No. No. And and he, you know, Adrian Brody is Adrian Brody. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, if you think about him from Predator, yeah, that's how he was. From Predators, okay. yeah, just fucking loud and obnoxious dick. Uh huh. There's so many problems with this movie. I don't even want to get into it. Well, look at this. Look at. Uh, did you watch the American version? Yeah. Or the uh, because the 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 uh, Chinese version. Is 127 minutes versus the U.S.'s. Great. So it's 24 minutes longer of fucking nonsense garbage. <laughs> well, you said some things were good. Jackie Chan was fine in it. Jackie Chan is the. I, I don't care what you fucking say. Anyone says Jackie Chan is the Chinese Arnold Schwarzenegger. He puts his all into every fucking movie he makes. Right. Except for. Um, except Schwarzenegger didn't put any work into The Last Stand. I'll, I'll, except for that one. Right. <laughs> But I mean, look. Even if you watch uh, Batman and Robin, dude, he still he hams it the fuck up when he plays uh, Mister Freeze. It's just shitty writing, okay. But he, you know, he put his all into it. You know, <laughs> dance and sing. <laughs> IGN gave it a six out of ten. The story is shit, but Dragon Blade has some cool fight scenes thanks to Jackie Chan's action. That's fine. I agree totally with that. In a negative review, how do you give it a six out of ten? If you if the story sucks but the fight scenes are cool, how do you give it a six out of ten? Six out of ten tells me a movie is better than average, but not 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 that much better than average. It's utterly awful in every. Gabriel Chong from movie exclusive Pan Dragon Blade is being utterly awful in every respect, criticizing the performances of the starring cast, <laughs> inconsistent changes in tone. He writes, "Indeed, Dragon Blade is a hot mess and a spectacular misfire, not just by its star but also by its director." And if anything further confirms. That the once promising career of Hollywood stars John Cusack and Adrian Brody are going the way of Nicolas Cage, which is utter bullshit. <laughs> because the you know, and if anything further confirms that the once promising careers, John Cusack make he makes however many fucking movies he makes, right? Yeah. And he's got a bunch on Netflix now, though. Yeah, a few. Three out of ten are gonna suck. Adrian Brody, same thing. Yeah. He went from My Left Foot or whatever. The Pianist. To. King Kong. Fucking Predators. Yeah. Come on. You know, they're just doing it for fun. So if you're going to take this seriously, they're not. 
If you're going to take them way too seriously, more seriously than they are, you're on the wrong side of the track. I don't know. Did you see Nicolas <clears throat> Cage and Left Behind? I don't fucking watch <laughs> Nicolas Cage movies. Claiming the movie to be a Chinese propagandist film, the Hindus, Venki Vembu, that's the person's name, criticized the film's lack of subtle messages and disapproved of the characterizations writing. I watched this film in 2D, but given the two-dimensional nature of the cardboard characters, I don't think the third D would have vastly enhanced my view. Labeled the film as give him a third IANS and labeled the film as Chinese torture, but did commend the film for its action choreography and Jackie Chan's performance. Like I said, Jackie Chan was great in the movie. The the action scenes that he was in and, and that he choreographed and everything else, like his fight scene with Adrian Brody was fucking phenomenal. You, it, and it was and it's absolutely fast and furious. Yeah. And I don't fucking pun that. The fighting between them was vicious and real. They were beating the shit out of each other. Uh-huh. And Brody was swinging the sword like like he was supposed to be. Yeah. He wasn't holding back. He wasn't trying to play, you know, Mr. He wasn't trying to play it up as an action hero. Yeah. He was trying to play it up as he's a fucking Roman soldier and I'm going to beat the shit out of that fucking guy. And they went to town on each other. And with the way that they were moving... It was rare. Well, I say this. It was reminiscent of Anakin and Obi Wan's duel on Mustafar, yeah. where they were just beating the fuck out of each other yeah. really fast. So if you watch any of that type of footage where they're practicing, yeah. and it's all one, two, three, four, five, six, stop. One, two, three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. and they do go slow, 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 and then they speed it up, and then they go double speed. Yeah. And when they're going double speed, and you see them just beating the shit out of each other, yeah, that's fucking real. But they learn all of that stuff. And Jackie Chan is the master at teaching this stuff. Rotten Tomatoes. The film has a 34% approval rating and rating average score of 4.3 out of 10. The site's consensus reads. Consensus. Consensus. Dragon Blade is beautifully staged and choreographed, but between the battles, its talented cast is overwhelmed by a dull story and choppy editing. How about the talented cast is overwhelmed by bad acting, bad writing, and... Bad effects and bad editing. Bad, bad, bad. It's all bad. With an extra dose of bad. Yeah. This is... (laughs) Try not to think too hard about it, man. (sighs) You know when you're looking forward to that... It doesn't matter. You're looking forward to going to Taco Bell. Yeah. And you're like, I want a fucking burrito. Yeah. Whatever you like. I like bean burritos. They're tasty. Yeah. They make the fucking best fucking bean burritos Mm. but you forget that they put those fucking shitty raw onions on it (laughs) that are chunky big chunks yeah the dice chunks and then you order your burrito and you're like oh as you bite into it and and not like the first few bites because they all congeal at the bottom yeah you know and then you're biting it and you're like oh this is a hungry hungry Right, and then you bite in that fucking onion, <laughs> and it makes the entire experience, no matter how good the fucking food was, you bite into that one thing. For me, it's onions and mushrooms. I can't stand mushrooms. I just I don't like the texture. I like I don't like mushy mushrooms. I don't care for mushrooms at all. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Mushrooms on pizza because they're baked and they're thin. Yeah, that's fine. Onions on hamburgers and a couple of other things. I'm fine. with I'm not a portobello guy. Yeah, Big but chunk of wet. Yeah, but fucking, mu- you know, fucking. raw mushrooms or canned mushrooms and fucking shitty onions. Yeah, I can't stand that. 
fuck off. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's exactly what it's like. It's like eating your favorite fucking food, and then when you bite, it, and you're getting down to the end, and you bite that fucking onion yeah. or mushroom because it's it's wrongly placed in there, yeah. and you're like, this ruins the entire experience. Do you know, it's funny you brought up the bean burritos, because I'm like that to a point as well. I always notice if I don't say anything, they put enough onions on there that it's like half an onion. I'm like, holy fuck, you're going to go out of business? Yeah. Give me that much, right? But I used to do this thing. See, I like where there's like two or three onion chunks in there, and that's it. And I so every once in a while, I bite into one, and it adds a little extra flavor for a moment, and that's it. But when it's fucking 15 chunks in each bite, it's a complete turnoff, right? Yeah. Well. I used to order it where I'd say easy on the onions, you know, just put a little teeny bit in there. They never got it right. Just they, say no onions. Well, I I do. That's what I have to do. I would like it with just a little teeny bit of onions, but they never do a little teeny bit of onions. They always fucking end up doing like half of what they normally put, which is still way too much. Yeah, it's like two fucking fistfuls. Yeah. Well, like quit fucking fisting me with your onions, bitch. But yeah, just just say, hey, no onions. <laughs> put them in a cup on the side. Simple. Yeah. I do that. I you know what? I do that when I, with bacon because I don't eat I don't eat beef and pork. So when I order some, every once in a while there's something I want and I and it has bacon on it. Well, if I say no bacon, I'm still paying for the fucking bacon. So I say put the bacon in a separate container because I fucking paid for it. So I'm gonna give it to someone who's gonna enjoy it. You know? Because it, it, it's funny they don't. If you you know what pisses me off about places is if you add something to their fucking food, you have to pay extra for it. But if you have them take something off, do they take some of the price off? No, they don't. Fuck them. And fuck you for your look. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Rapper for time. So Dragon Blade, no. Dragon Blade, no. Okay. It's a three. All right. Uh, before we close things out, man, did you want to talk about the Ma- Magnol- the Hellboy thing? Yeah. All right. Well, then talk about Mike Magnolia and Hellboy. I'm fucking pissed about this. Why? Because. Okay. The, when you, I fl- you go into it and I'll. I'll clean it all up. <laughs> when I saw, and look, and I, I understand there's reasons for this, and you're going to go into a detail about what you believe is the reason. I'm, and I agree with it. But my, here's my thing: when I saw the first Hellboy back in 2004 with my uncle, I, I liked it, but I wasn't sure if I liked it a whole lot. It was, it was different, and it was cool. And then I saw it again. I'm like, you know what? This is not one of those watch all the time kind of superhero movies, but it has a charm to it, and it's got a cool mythology with it. If you just go off the movies. Um, that it's it's not bad, and 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 you know Guillermo del Toro's visual style, right? And then uh, then in 2008 when Hellboy 2: The Golden Army came out, I fucking loved it because it added way more humor into it. It got rid of that pussy character, that pussy tagalong character from the first movie, right? Um, and pussy tagalong character, you know the main. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got rid of him, which was a smart thing to do, and it focused. You know, it had more of um, you know Abraham. You know, I mean, Abe Sapien in it, right? And and it did the beginning. The beginning is like what I think what they should do with Guardians Galaxy Three, you know, with Yondu, right? Well, in the beginning of this one, you have a flash. It shows Yom, you know, Hellboy when he's a little kid, and and uh, his father, you know, John Hurt, is um is uh, talking, tells him the story about the Golden Army, right? Mm-hmm. And that was that was a great way to bring that character back, right? Right. So, and then Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, is is a really good movie, dude. It's okay. Um, the, the performance of Doug Jones as Abe Sapien and as other characters in the movie um, is fucking great. 
Um, it's funny. Got a great, a great sense of, sense of humor. If 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 having Barry Manilow songs in a movie makes you laugh your ass off, you're doing a good fucking job. Okay, and Hellboy Two, better than not, made me laugh my ass off and have a good time. Okay, so it put me, I it hyped me up for um, Hellboy Three. Okay, I wanted to support everything that they're doing with these movies. So I went to the theaters to see them. I bought the DVDs when they came out. I even went and bought the director's cut of the first movie as well, um, which I recommend. It's it it's, it adds to it. But every you know not not apparently not enough people, of course, but. Everyone who liked these movies wanted them to make a third one. Now, for whatever reasons, and I know you're going to get into this, for whatever reasons, studio delay, studio, you know, just they didn't want to fuck with it because it's just not profitable enough for them or whatever, or or uh, Guillermo del Toro not spending enough time focusing on trying to get it done or whatever. Um, not enough people at the right times got involved to get this to happen, and now instead there's going to be a complete fucking reboot and that pisses me off because it would have been nice if they had ended this thing off with a third film, which it had intended to be. What's going to be a three-part thing that was going to end with a third movie. Um, and now that's probably not going to happen. There's a huge chance now that that's never going to happen. And that sucks. Bummer. So that's my what opinion. What a fucking tragedy. Yeah, thank you for your fucking support. Now, hit me with your shit, Smokey. Why are they doing a reboot? Um, I believe it's what you told me earlier um, before we were on microphone that uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro takes too fucking long with his projects and someone came around, wanted to do Hellboy for a lot cheaper and a lot quicker, probably. And the studio or whoever, or the powers that be, um, was are way more accepting and on board for it. Also, the people that were behind the first two movies, probably not there anymore or at different studios. Yeah. So, hmm. <clears throat> by the way, uh, the new Hellboy movie is reportedly called Rise of the Blood Queen, but that's besides the point. Guillermo del Toro did Hellboy and Hellboy 2, and then he did Pacific Rim. Yeah. He's done Which had care- had Pan's actors. Labyrinth. And he did his first American film was Mimic. Mimic. So he's made five movies in ten years. Crimson Tide, or I mean, <laughs> Crimson Peak. Yeah, Crimson Peak. <laughs> I saw. I finally saw that. It visually looks really cool, but the story is nothing special. And the, the, the whole and there, there, there in lies part of the problem. Del Toro makes visually striking movies. Yeah. Ooh, like Zack Snyder. Yeah, they're much better. <laughs> yeah, I know. In, in all, in all aspects. The problem is, is that. Like he started to do Pacific Rim too. Yeah. Listen, where's that? Yeah. Someone else is making it now. You know, he was working on The Hobbit. What happened to that? Yeah. Maybe he did start working on Hellboy three, but again, things happen for a reason. Now Mike McNola doesn't care one way or the other if a Hellboy movie gets made. Okay. And the reason for that is because he's been through the Hollywood system. Yeah, he didn't like it. And. What happens, happens. If if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, fine, whatever. You know? They're still paying for it. Yeah. They've given him a fucking ass ton of money. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to is he's more concerned about his control over the comic. Uh-huh. You know, he, still, he doesn't control the character once it's out there in Hollywood land. Yeah. 
for the most part. He has say in the matter of certain things, but when it comes down to the actual movie and getting created, mm. now maybe he wasn't happy with the Del Toro take on Hellboy in some aspects. Mm. I've heard that he loves them. Yeah. Because they're a different take than what he's done and adds to all the stuff that's been created. Yeah. So, that being said, I'm bummed that we won't get a, a third Hellboy. Also because I'm a Ron Perlman fan. Right. I'm not bummed because we are getting a new take on Hellboy. It's an R-rated movie. It's going to be darker and how it should be. And I think that we're, that's where the problem lies is that I think somebody got into Del Toro's ear and basically said, this is what Mignola wants. Mm. And he said, okay, let's do that. And they started working on it. And the studio said, no, because <laughs> it was just going to cost too much money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Deadpool and Logan come out and make an R rating, R rating profitable. Well, yeah, but not, but they're funny. Yeah. Well, or Deadpool funny, Logan serious, <laughs> but not the conjuring or Friday the 13th or whatever bloody type thing. Right. Yeah. A horror movie. And Del Toro, although loves horror movies, probably didn't want to go down that path, especially with everything that he had set up for the first two movies. Mm -hmm. And the studio said, OK, well, and, and this is all projection. We're all just, you know. Yeah. Pretending we know. <laughs> Speculation. Thank you. And he he went to the studio and they said no. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Because we, I mean, you can infer from everything that he's he's done and said, hey, we should make a Hellboy 3 and blah, 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 blah. And now it's dead in the water. Yeah. Which means that he had an idea. He took it He took it to Magnola. Magnola said, run with it. He ran with it, took it to the studio, said no. And then the studio went, well, let's just go behind his back, like they normally do, and start off fresh. Yeah. I hate the fucking word reboot. This is not a reboot. This is a new direction. Reimagining? No. <laughs> if it was a reimagining, then Hellboy wouldn't be Hellboy. He'd be fucking Angel McGillicuddy, right? Yeah. It's Angel McMuffin stuff yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a fucking reimagining. It's not a fucking reboot. People use the word reboot way too often. Reboot, remake, retool. It's not. This is a this is a whole new series based off of the way that Mike McNola would like to see it, you know? And it is probably going to cost a third less because of the star power that's in the movie or not in the movie, you know? And the director that's that's doing this who, you know, I mean they're getting a stranger a guy from Stranger Things who He's not he's not gonna command fifteen, twenty, thirty million dollars for the picture. No, I'll probably give him half a mil. Yeah. Or more. And but then he gets back in or something. Yeah. And and that's that's the way they're working it. Unfortunately, we get screwed, but we don't get screwed. It's like it reminds me of Spider Man, dude. <laughs> exactly. But what we have from, from Del Toro is good shit. Yeah. That we can rely on. And again, I, I look at it the way Magnola allows other people to take his characters yeah. and write stories with them. So if you look at some of the books that have been written about Hellboy, mm -hmm. there's been some input from Magnola or Mignola or however you say it, mm -hmm. Mignon. <laughs> but he lets the writers write the story. 
tell your story. Let's see how it works out. Yeah. And if it's good, then I'll make sure it gets published. If it's not good, fuck off. Yeah. Because he's concerned with his own fucking stuff. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a, and, and I think he, I think he's finished with the Hellboy story. But if he's not, he's he he has an entire storyline that he has to finish. So once he gets that done and out, he can concentrate on other things. Yeah. And, and, and at the time that we put this podcast out, Mignola was finished with Hellboy. 100%. He had finished writing the entire story and took time off. <sighs> yeah, let's try writing this properly. Yeah, Hellboy just ended. Okay. So that was last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why he's ending Hellboy and painting watercolors. He he needs to break away from from the comic series. And this was last year that he said, um, I'm going to take a break. Uh Hellboy and Hell as originally conceived was radically different than what I ended up doing. Uh I guess by the end of issue eight, which is out, he's sitting under a tree and it just felt suddenly like, Oh, this is the end of the series. There's one big thing he has left to do, or maybe two. And he's already started doing it again. He's working on whatever he's working on. Mm. Okay? <laughs> but he took some time. You know, I'm painting and drawing. I think the drawing in the comics is fine, but none of the drawings get the kind of focus you'd be doing if you were just doing a painting or standalone. Some part of me is saying, you know, it's been good that you've been able to do some stuff as a cartoonist writing and drawing, but you always kind of want to be an artist, and I just don't think I've been doing artwork that's up to what I could do if I focused all my energy on it. And that's what it comes down to. He just needed to take some time, mm-hmm. you know? And he's an amazing artist. So, uh, on Hellboy 3, I'd love for it to be in some kind of way faithful to the comic, and it's a horrific, complete departure. And if it's a horrific, complete departure, I won't be thrilled. But you have to make peace with these things. Back when Dark Horse optioned it from me and put it into development, I thought, this is the greatest scam I'm ever going to run. You're going to give me money so you can you know, maybe make a movie, but we all know you're never going to make the movie, so you're going to pay me money again for nothing. But when they actually make the movie, holy shit, now it's scary. When I sign the option deal for Hellboy, being me, I assume the absolute worst. What if they do make it, and it's horrible beyond anything? What if it's Howard the Duck? <laughs> I thought, oh, no, I just got Hellboy up and running. This movie could completely sink the name. There'll be so much stink on it. So I made up a new character, and everything I had planned to do with Hellboy, I could roll over into this other character. Uh, We eventually started doing a comic called Joe Gollum, a cult detective. I made up this character I was going to do as a comic, then I was going to do it as a novel, but really it was just sitting off to the side, uh, waiting for Hellboy to tank. For a long time, he was just sitting on the sidelines, and you never got to leap into him. No... I didn't need to. When the Hellboy movie came out, it was great. I was just doing Gollum as a comic, and I was living in New York. Two weeks before I started, I wanted to scout all the locations, take photos, you know, and he's looking down 7th Avenue like that's the establishing shot for the first page, and then 9-11 happens. Suddenly, the idea of doing a book about partially sunken New York City in ruins was unappealing. So I put Joe Gollum back on the shelf. Doesn't really answer the whole Hellboy 3 question. But this it goes with the whole idea of I don't think he was really happy with the way that it was going 
in terms of the way Guillermo del Toro did it, uh. but I don't think he was pissed. It just is what it is. It's the way that the story ended up being, right? So with this new venture, he is going to be able to control it a little bit more because of the popularity of the comic, because of the popularity of the previous movies, Yeah, and he owns the character. Yeah. It's his fucking character. <laughs> so long story short is it's good for us, for Hellboy fans. It's bad because we don't get to see the fucking... Uh, ooh, Jeffrey Tambor. We don't get to see the end right. of Del Toro's vision. Right. And he said, he said he wanted to end it with Hellboy, you know, becoming, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a new... What the fuck was his name? You know what I mean. Yeah. Alan Sung or whatever the fuck it was. Um, a, <laughs> um, a Nox in the moon. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, he, he's supposed to become the devil and then die. He's supposed to give his life, uh, you know. Bef- Who? Hellboy? Hell- yeah, that's what Del Toro said. And that, you know, the movies, if he gets to make Hellboy 3, it's not going to end on a happy note. It's going to be sad, he said, because he has to become, he has to, fu- he has to fulfill his destiny no matter what. It's going to, it's going to end in a sad way, um, with, uh, Hellboy dying or something, um, because he has to become that and then he has to be stopped something I, I but still regardless if it ends on a bummer or not i mean i, I logan ends on a bummer still a fucking awesome movie <laughs> okay so yeah like i said man it sucks and you know and we are seeing a, a, another version of hellboy coming out you know and look and it, it could be it could be fucking awesome i mean look at what they're doing with dread and i'm doing this on purpose because we also we're going to talk about the dread tv series Look how they did Dread. Everyone didn't want to touch Judge Dread because of the Sylvester Stallone movie for 95, and then finally someone does it. And a lot of people appreciate it. Not enough, but at least it wasn't negative. You know, no one no one approached the movie in a negative way. And now we're going to get what um, that TV show you were talking about. Oh, God damn it. I can't fucking stop this shit. Can't mute the ad. Fuck off. Now you clicked on the ad. Yeah, I'm stupid. <laughs> you dummy dumb. Oh, I didn't. Okay, there. Click. Pause the fucking app. Okay. One year ago. The Crimson Peak director was invited to have a rather insightful discussion that shed some light onto his process as well as some projects that are in limbo. <clears throat> Hellboy 3 needed to be talked about for at least two minutes so as to keep hope alive. Unfortunately, hope seems to be dashed as studios aren't clamoring to fund the film. And Del Toro finally explained the home video market that made the first two films so successful has all but dried up, which is bullshit. Yeah. Without the market as a viable fallback, the idea of a studio funding a third Hellboy movie just becomes too risky. It's a sad reality of the business and of Del Toro's career. That doesn't mean that Del Toro won't still talk about the project on his own terms. Though time and time again, studio involvement has been pegged as non-existent and seems even more concrete this time around thanks to the indefinite hold that Pacific Rim 2 has been placed into by Universal Studios. With that project in danger of cancellation, the possible bargain that would have led to Hellboy's 3 production is just as dead, seeing as that film was dependent on Pacific Rim 2 delivering enough box office to justify it. Honestly, the more that Del Toro talks about making weird little films as he does in his conversation, the more it sounds like he would he should make take a sort of blockbuster sabbatical to focus on those sorts of projects. Smaller budget, less studio interference, Del Toro will be allowed to get his artistic juices flowing without interruption. Guillermo Del Toro is a talented enough filmmaker that he can do pretty much anything. 
All he lacks is a big enough fan base to go to major studios and a bowing to his will. If he can capture that, he'll have a blank check, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, look, the the, the Pacific Rim 2 is scheduled to come out a year from now, and it's starring John, John Boyega, who um, he's the main character. Okay, Charlie Hunnam's not coming back for it. Um, and then uh, the, and then Charlie Day and his fucking partner, they come back. But it's not being directed by Del Toro. It's a story from Del Toro that's being directed by Stephen S. D. Knight, whatever the hell he's done. Um, I just, uh, you know, it sucks with, with Del Toro, dude. I when you, when you think about what he's done with, with the first two Hellboy movies and with Pan's Labyrinth, you think that, and hell, if you see some of the artistic creation um, that he added to the Hobbit films, um, you you know this guy can do more. There's more shit that he can be bringing out. But instead, what are we getting? We're getting delays. We're getting cancellations. But that's not his problem. We're getting um, we're getting more focus on shows like The Strain. Okay, but that's that's not the delays in the movies are not his problem. That's a studio thing. He has no control over that. So, moving on. So, if he's successful with the strain, big fucking whoopee shit. It seems like with me, what I'm noticing is that he's cursed. Like, everything he fucking, almost almost everything he's latching onto has some problem, one way or another. And what about the strain? The strain, well, luckily, they're smart enough to end this with this final season that's coming up, like the fourth season. But it's still not nothing that really that great. Okay. You know, it's... It's getting rave reviews, dude. Uh, you know, Crimson Peak, wasn't that good? It, it's just, I don't know, man. I I want... His name do, isn't hitting as hard as it used to for me, which sucks because I, 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 wanna, I want to see him doing, you know, great things. But it's just... Either he's picking the wrong shit or something. But he's... He, in my opinion, he's kind of cursed at the moment. Okay. So... Regardless of the strain is doing good or not, I watch the strain. I like the strain. I like the characters in it. Okay, but I, it's still if I if I don't if I end up never seeing the rest of the of of the strain, the final season, I don't really. <laughs> it's not like detrimental, like like as if you know needing to see more Fargo or, or Better Call Saul. Right, but uh, let's just face facts. Ain't gonna happen. Yeah, and there's reasons for it, and it's the studio, and it's not Del Toro, and it's not Magnolia, and it's not Ron Perlman. And it's no one else. The studio makes all these excuses. And then all of a sudden, hey, I have an idea. Let's do Hellboy. It's all about money. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And it just costs too much money to make a Hellboy 3 movie when they could get someone to do it for Kevin Smith money. A third. Not even that. You know, yeah, a third or half or a quarter. You know, yeah, you you agree though that Del Toro's comment about the home video market is bullshit. Streaming is huge. Absolutely, it, video on demand, fucking HBO or Showtime or Cinemax or whoever. A third Hellboy would make its money back, oh, yeah. regardless of how it did in the theaters. But the point, but it would have to make look in order for Hellboy to make any money, it literally has to sell. 150 million DVDs. Yeah. At 10 bucks a pop, right? Possibly. I'm sorry. It has to make 100 It would have to make 300 million dollars at the uh, in DVD sales. Mm. 
for it to be even viable, which is, you know, <laughs> it's 15 million. We got to sell 15 million copies. Yeah. Is that right? 15 million times 20? Yeah. 15 million times 20 would be uh, three, thir- 300 million. Right. So. Which doesn't seem impossible, but if you have a $400 million film that's that that you have to spend another you know 200 million on for fucking advertising and I'm being facetious okay yeah. it's a 100 million dollar film minimum well, well the way that del toro described it hellboy 3 was going to have to be huge yeah it it's a 100 million dollar film minimum yeah okay 200 million dollars in order for it to be a huge movie just like guardians of the galaxy okay 200 million dollars plus advertising is 400 million dollars give or take mm-hmm. all right now you have 400 million dollars and then if the movie does $100 million, now you're $300 million in the fucking red. And then you've got to create DVDs. Now, DVDs aren't going to cost them shit, but they're still going to cost them some money. Call it a, call it $10 million. Okay. $10 million. Now we're at $310 million in the red. Plus advertising. Another $100 million. We're $410 million in the red. And these are extreme, extreme numbers, but it's still... Yeah. You have to advertise the shit out of it in order to make it, to get any headway. And then again, you've got to sell a hundred million of those things to make fucking money. You know what pissed me off about Hellboy Two was that it seemed like they marketed it more when it went to home video than it did when it was in theaters. Right. But they've they've got to sell it to home video, they've got to sell it to video on demand, they gotta do this, they gotta sell it to Netflix. Yeah. Right, Netflix ain't gonna give you four hundred million dollars for that fucking thing. Yeah, I think uh, Hellboy Two made one hundred eighteen million worldwide. Okay, there you go, one hundred eighteen. One hundred eighteen. That's a projected. So, in order to make any money, you got to fucking make the movie for thirty million, and then you've got to be able to. I think you had like an eighty million dollar budget. Advertise the movie. That's another fifteen twenty million right there. Yeah. Okay, so now you're up to fifty million. These are Kevin Smith figures, by the way. Uh, the reason why I can come up with a number for advertising is you take the budget and then you divide the budget by two. Uh-huh. It's relative simple math. It helps everything. But you're up to $50, 60000000 million already mm-hmm. on a movie that costs 20 or 30 Hey, they could with Hellboy 3, they could have done the, went the Deadpool route. But they didn't. I know. Because you have Guillermo del Toro and he has a cost. His cost is that $10 million. Ron Perlman, his cost, $5 million. Plus, you got to pay Dark Horse and Mike Mignola. You're up to $30 million just in fucking cast and crew and ownership rights. Hmm. Now you got to make the movie. Add in $80 million. Now you're at fucking 120. Why do you think Will Smith wasn't in Independence Day Part 2? Yeah. But that still costs $200 million to make. I know, and it made its money back. Fucking horse shit. Yeah. Um, but fucking Hellboy won't be able to make a hundred million dollars, you know, and that's that's lack of studio bullshit. Yeah, it sucks. It, it really does suck because I wanted it there to be a third Hellboy movie, but it's not. So anyway, uh, Judge Dredd, they're making a series. Yeah, and uh, Carl, you said that Carl Urban's going to be. In it. I understand that Carl Urban is involved. That's fucking cool. Good. Fuck. What is it? It's been four years now, right? Yeah, because Dredd came out at the end of twenty twelve. Yeah, I was still working for another company. Yeah, so yeah, it, Dread's been out for over four years now, and there's no—I mean, there was a couple things that popped up here and there about a sequel, ideas for a sequel, and possibilities of a sequel happening, 
you know, from Carl Urban at some convention or some shit, but there, there was nothing solid. There's nothing that all these, you know, websites are jumping onto to, to advertise. And you know that if there was anything being mentioned, that they jump all over it. So, and there's not. So, for them to be doing anything judge, judge or dread related um, is cool if they're going to be, you know, if, if Urban's uh, involved with it. Yeah. So, shit, man. I, I'm. When is the last time we spent three hours recording a podcast? I don't know. When you weren't vamping for time. Oh, fuck you. Dude, if you go, when you listen to this fucking thing, you're going to hear yourself ramp like a motherfucker. Uh, all right, so. I, I, you know what? I don't even care. It's, it's three hours. So the uh, the next film that we will talk about on a couple of average Joes will be uh, King Arthur. Well, what the, hold on a second. What, motherfucker? Jesus Christ. You want to, you want to, okay, you want to talk more Just about Just a Judge fucking Trump? minute. We can, we got It's not the Carl Urban Netflix well, series. I thought you were purposely morning. showing me the time. I, like, I, I wasn't aware that it was already that long into it. I just wanted to point it out. You weren't. No, I knew we were there. I, I knew that we were, we were like at least two and a half hours into this. Uh, all right. Yeah, it's uh, Mega City One, Judge Dredd, everything you need to know. Long story short, they even got a poster for it, hmm. which looks pretty fucking cool. So I'll save that. And then I'm going to put a couple of average Joes in there. <laughs> Plagiarism at its finest. It's finest. Mega City Skull One. Jagger. <laughs> Skull fucker. Skull Jagger. Skull fucker. Uh, yeah. Um. There's there's also rumors that there's a Netflix, Amazon, and HBO series that Carl Urban said he'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, sequels no closer happening. Options have been discussed, but there is no sequel in development. Blah, 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 blah. That was last year. Um, On May 10th, Rebellion released a statement confirming Judge Dredd, Mega City 1, a TV series that has started in the early stages of development. There you go. No actors have been attached to the project. They will be announced at a later date. However, producers and executive producers, including Jason and Chris Kingsley from Rebellion and Mark Stewart Ford from M Global Television for developing the relaunch Battlestar Galactica, yeah, Helix. You're getting defiant. You're getting goofy. <laughs> fucking so done with talking, man. You can tell that's a guy who doesn't like to take pictures. That's a guy that doesn't like to fucking wash his hair. <laughs> he's like, he's a guy. Fucking oh, cool, dude. All right, nice hair. Smile. You look like you work on the mystery shack. Ha ha. All right, dude. Let's do this. Dreads World deserves a TV show. <laughs> can I, I do the Morty voice? Dreads World. I can't. I. <laughs> Come on, Rick. Dreads World deserves a TV show. Pro- probably. Pro- several, probably. God, your voice is breaking, Morty. <laughs> several box sets. <laughs> Actually, Rick, you jerk. I, I can't do the Rick voice. Right? I haven't I been practicing Morty. Uh, Morty in a while, so I, I mean. Rick, come on. Come on, Morty. Come on, Rick. Let's do this. I, I don't think I'm ready to do this for you. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't care. I don't. I don't care, Rick. He's so fucking loud. <laughs> that voice is. You have to be. You have, have to, to yeah. sit way back. I. I don't. I don't care, Rick. <laughs> you. You alcoholic fuck. Every week. Every week you ride with me, Morty. And you're just giant pussy, Morty. You're. You're a pedophile. 
I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going to fucking go there. I ain't going to go there. Okay. That's, that's great, dude. Let's do this. That's fucking horrendous. Hi, my name is Seuss. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, Goofy, what do we got here? I don't know, Stan Pines. Why don't you finish reading about Judge Dredd? <sighs> Your voice needs to be higher. <laughs> oh, boy. There you go. Well, there, are we done? There, there's a Judge Dredd TV series in development. I would just like to say, we'd like to end this show. Uh, I, I don't care, Mickey. <laughs> go go fuck yourself. Oh, gosh. You cannot be talking to me that way. Why, why don't you go with Pluto in the backyard? <laughs> you and Goofy and Pluto. Oh, sit. Oh, boo, sit. Good dog. Yeah, so you Roof. can see his lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> I can be this loud right now, cause oh, it takes me to the universe and back. <laughs> Red Rocket. <laughs> All right. Ugh. Yeah, you go with Red Rocket. It's yeah, we got. So uh, <laughs> yeah, next the next episode we're gonna be doing uh, King what? Arthur, Legend of the Sword, King Arthur. Which if you put those into into just caps, it's lots. Yeah, Legend of the Sword, King Arthur, King Arthur, lots. It's Calots. So, um, yeah, we will talk about that film directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Charlie Hunnam. Ooh, weird. Yeah, weird. Weird. Huh. It's like, it's like he's in everything but the, the Darker Shades movies. Huh. All right. Huh. So, I am, for Cinescape Movie Reviews, I am Joe Spiegel. Why are we introducing ourselves again? Because we- After three hours? It's like we're a planet. We're like an ego. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. You- Fucking punster. I could do this all week, Morty. All right, whatever, Morty, Rick. Get, Morty, I, get, I could do this all week. I don't care. All right. Well, you're... Uh, I'm out of here, Morty. I hope so. Because you're annoying as fuck. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> See you. Catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Bye. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at. What about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. 
Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> shower, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. <laughs> Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> this is the end. It's the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Argo, fuck yourself.